Heavy breathing has started. Yeah. Don't think it's me. me. Alright, so we're pressing the button. We're waiting Darth for the Vader. light to go green. Alright, the light is green. And this is the part we're where we apologize for the button. Alright, so Coco Talk episode 92 at its new time slot is going live in 3, 2, 1. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Can't Get Past Level 1 in Any Game, Stevie Stroh. All right, we're here. We're live. We're doing it live. It's Saturday Night Live. Coco Talk is live at a new special time. New special time. Russell Flowers is here. We got all kinds of people here with us today. So we've got a jam-packed panel. So just to remind everybody, for those who are not aware, Coco Talk is live. Every Saturday we are live. We are the world's leading, not to mention the world's only live weekly talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. So I'll say it again. We're live. We're on the air. It's Saturday night. This is a brand new time slot for doing the main show, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today is January the 19th. The year is 2019 in the year of our Lord. And we have got all kinds of people in the panel. We've got all kinds of people in the live chat. So let's go around the room and let's say Heidi, howdy, ho there to the people that are with us on the top left in the clockwise fashion. We will start with, and I love how Rob Inman introduced him last week because there's so many games to choose from. But last week it was Warp Fighter 3D, which we'll continue again. But Mr. Steve Bjork is in the house. Hello, Steve. Hey, hey. how's everybody doing out there? We're doing good. It's uh, it's past my bedtime, it seems like. We have from old Canada, L. Curtis Boyles with us. How's it going, eh? Hello, everyone. I'm just waiting for Steve's uh, food coma to kick in and he'll nod up at the <laughs> I actually was have had dinner quite some time ago. I'm on, I'm on my first beer, so you might uh, might be an alcohol coma that kicks in here. So, um, I believe he's somewhere in Minnesota, but I'm not exactly sure. But uh, legendary game designer Rick Adams is with us. Hello, Rick. Only a legend is on mind. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're too kind. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. We have the celebrity interview wrangler, Mr. A Lister himself. Rondelmo is with us. Hello, everyone. Hey, We're doing quite well. Thank you for being here. We have from Strongware, maker of hardware, software, 3D printed products, and so much more. Mr. John Strong is in the house. Hello, John. Hello. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We have from somewhere outside of his kitchen. There is no Apple II in the background, so we don't recognize him. Looks like he's got a haircut and everything. So, Mr. Mark O is with us. Mark Overholzer, how are you? Glad to be here. All right, and we don't get to see this guy on camera very often, but Al Hartman's with us from Al's Computer Place on Facebook. How are you, Al? Okay, I'm, I'm a facsimile of my normal self. 
All right. Well, you're looking quite handsome, sir. So thanks for being here and definitely raising the bar on the beauty of the show this evening. Uh, <laughs> speaking of beauty, from somewhere in California, Mikey is here. Michael Furman, how are you doing there, gorgeous? Hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm uh, going to be batching it for the next four weeks, so I'm going to be tearing this place apart. Oh, the remodeling? No. I'm going to be tearing Coco Talk apart. Oh, you're going to be tearing Coco Talk apart. All right, yeah. good. We could use a little tearing apart. A little DEF CON. Uh, okay, a little DEF CONing, huh? Yep. We've got another, another Canadian with us, uh, creator of Forest of Doom, the revolutionary innovator of Coco Forever, the epic miniseries, drama, saga, mixed media, augmented reality, three-dimensional smell-o-vision experience. Mr. D. Bruce Moore is in the house. How are you, Bruce? I'm well. I'm just trying to stay warm. I've not left my house in uh, 72 hours. Uh, just tell me when this, uh, the weather lets up. All right, well, Richard Lorbieski's got a fire right underneath you to warm you up there. So oh. uh, there you go. We've got coming to the show. He's not here quite as often as we'd like, but he's here and he's wearing an awesome shirt that says, I'm a cocoa nut. Mr. Jason Downs is in the house. How are you, Jason? Good, thanks. Uh, a man with a very brief introduction, and I'll just try to prolong it as long as possible, but as seen at PenFest 99 and 2000 at Corkscong, Hamvention, at CocoFest, maker of the switcheroo, maker of the Wallaby Cable, star of the Coco Forever audio drama, and so much more. Jason, the Coco Man Rikert is with us today. And you mean by star, you mean like minor, <laughs> minor cameo appearance. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yes, 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 I, yes. I'd yes. say more Didn't like a also, black hole. Did he also win the Coco Forever mug? Oh, yeah, winner of the mug of yeah. douchery as well. We have to add that to the title. Oh, yes, the Forest of Doom mug. Which, yes, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a Coco Forever mug, I didn't know about it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. For the Force of Doom mug. Yes, 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 yes. You're too as, seen, as seen live, you know. Yeah, all over as the place. You, as you rage quit for like the fifth time. Yeah. The Internet's own Jason Reichert's with us here today. Uh, brother, best known as the brother of Ken Reichert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Since when? The starter of dumpster fires large and small, and now it's erupted into a bonfire from Boyson Technologies. Mr. Richard Lorbieski is with us this evening. Good evening, Richard. Good evening. How are you doing? We're doing just fine. Yay. Maker maker of too many software programs to even remember, but uh, Digger 3 is one of the newest products on here. Uh, Chet Simpson, all the way from Vegas. What's going on, Chet? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. And, and last but not least, first time, long time, Dan Loyal's with us. Hey, Dan, how are you? Good. Just want to say hi to everyone. Sorry, I'll try to figure out how to get Zoom working next time so I get my picture up there. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And we got a lot of, we got 25 people. The show has just started. There are 26 people now in the live chat. Retro Innovations was trolling early before the show even started. Retro Innovations is saying we're, we're, we're so glad to see that there's not going to be a show today. Um, but apparently it is. We're here. Uh, Nick Moroda. Nick Moroda. Nick Moroda is here. Varick Creek is here. Russell Flowers is here. Curtis Boyle, Nick Marota, Perry is here. Matchy Games is here. Rob Inman, our announcer from last week, is here. Rob, join on the call. Russell Flowers. Chris Cromwell is here. Nick Marota is here. Russell Flowers. Matchy Games. Um, waving at people are waving at everybody. Mark's saying hi. 
Rob Inman's here. Hello. Hello to the 26 people who are here with us live so far. So for the start of the show, I think we've we've got some good numbers. This is These are daytime numbers at night, so that's good. And we got a good panel. Welcome, everybody. Um, I would just like to start by saying I want to thank all of you for doing a, just a fantastic job last week on the show. It was a great team effort between uh, Rob and Curtis and... Um, and Nick Morenti's had a nice segment, and Chet Simpson had a nice segment for us, and the news was great, and and everybody just kind of like gelled, right? Everybody just picked up a piece of the show and just carried it, and it was all just kind of organic and 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 biological and and smooth and all kinds of stuff, and it was and it was great to be able to be a uh, an audience member and to kind of listen to you guys live. I just had my headphone on, I was listening to you guys. I'm in the living room playing on my Xbox, listening to the show, and it was good times, man. So. Great job, everybody. I really enjoyed it, and thank you so much. I like how you worded it as picking up the pieces, but yeah. <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah, it was really good. It was a good show. So, um, some good times. And so, um, last week we talked about this, and we're doing this, and we're going to see how this goes. But af- after we did our After Dark, I don't know if we did it during dark or after dark or... Uh, in the twilight hours or at dusk or dawn at some time, we talked about um, let's try changing the time slot for this next week's show and let's see what happens. Because who joined us? We had a few people join us last week that don't usually join us, like Brian Schubring, the music man, joined us. We had a couple people join us that just don't always get a chance to join us during the day. And, you know, people have things to do during the day, which I understand. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, Nick Morenti's, Nick Morenti's was on earlier, Rob. Rob's asking where Nick Morenti's is. And Nick, because it's Sunday afternoon for Nick right now, and he had, uh, lunch plans today. So, um. But he has uh-oh. some stuff that he's going to show off next week. Okay. Um, Russell Flower says he's hearing Echo. Do we know? Does anybody, can anybody listen to the stream real quick and tell me if you're hearing Echo? What's Echo's last name? <laughs> More reverb. Okay, no, Russell says, now, never mind, I had two windows open. Okay, Russell, yeah, thanks for... <laughs> Ken, Ken Reichert is here, best known as the brother of Jason Reichert. Yes, but now Ken Reichert is here. Uh, he says, I don't hear an echo, 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 echo. All right, so, um, yeah, so we said, let's, let's see it. We're, we're up to 28 live viewers right now. So we, uh, so we owe 28 apologies. <laughs> now, are, are and, two of those uh, the same person who said it was echoing, though? Varric Creek is saying, can I get a shout-out? I've already mentioned your name, Varric. So Varric um, is a friend who watches me play some uh, video games live and stuff, but he's here, and he says, can I get a shout-out? You guys want to shout-out Varric Creek? Anybody else want to say the name besides me? Varric Creek. Crick, there you go. It just doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue. Doesn't like doesn't roll off the tongue. It's not yeah. not quite as fluent as Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Um, hey Dan, Dan Loyal. Yeah. Can we put you on the spot? Sure. Can we play? This is your life. I can give you a quick little history. Yeah, and and I just want to let everybody know because um, I have a few things to show off that that Dan has has given me, but. But Dan has generously donated um, many products over the years to to the cause. <laughs> so um, so Dan has sent in a number of items, um, and one of them was a Raspberry Pi uh, disc for me to play on with the uh, RetroPie. He sent in the really cool um, 
um, Raspberry Pi thing for Megan and I to play on that little wooden kit with the electronics and stuff. And and I got a couple other things to show off, which I'll be showing today. But and thank you for doing that, Dan. Like now I can kind of thank you firsthand in in, in person. I can you're actually, welcome. Let me let me actually play a sound clip for you here. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about your past, your present, and your future as far as, you know, your, your, your retro things you did when retro was new and, and what are you doing these days and stuff like that. Okay, well, don't laugh, but back, my first computer was a VIC-20 back in junior high, and I didn't get the Clico Atom like I wanted, I had a Clico <laughs> Um I had a 16K memory ex expansion card that my... Uh, Dad's buddy modded so we could play cartridge games by changing the memory address to load at different registers or addresses and then load the uh, cartridge games from disc or tape. So I guess that was the beginning of my software piracy career. <laughs> career. Um, you, you do know that you have a number of software developers that are on this call. <laughs> yeah. yeah and right. you Oops. can imagine our feelings about piracy. <laughs> Oops. But it's VIC-20 software. It doesn't even count. Oh, yeah. Just let him hang himself. It's fine. <laughs> Rolling the dumpster fire there. And we upgraded to the Commodore 64 uh, a couple years later. So then back, see, in 1987 was my first uh, computer-related job. I was going to community college. I worked at Apple Puget Sound Program Library Exchange, or call Apple. And I worked part-time running their high-capacity disk duplicator and assembling Macintosh developer software packages. And we used PageMaker and the Apple Laser Writer to print out the disk labels and got to use Apple Lisa that was converted to run Mac software. And we also carried some Apple II software and ran a BBS on Apple II. Whoa. And they had a small retail store and I saw the first color Mac II come out in 87. And then we jump forward to like 2005, I started collecting 8-bit and 16-bit machines from thrift stores and Craigslist that I never had a chance to play with. So I got some Apple IIs, Macs, Atari, 8-bit, and ST, and Amigas, and TI. I got a Trash 80, I mean a TRS-80 Model 3, same one that I had in high school in my computer science class. Oh, what, still have that one. what do you think? What do you think that since you've been collecting retro before retro collecting became cool, back in two thousand five, mm -hmm. what was it like buying those eight bit machines then versus you know thirteen years later, fourteen years later? I was getting some for free. People gave me like an original Mac one twenty eight. Wow, <laughs> free! <laughs> I see a thing on Craigslist. It's like it's sitting on my uh, yeah, uh, yeah lawn by the front door. Yeah. That's cool. I uh, picked up a color computer too uh, with 64K and some disk drives at a, a computer recycle place, REPC, after I first ran across Sockmaster's website for Donkey Kong. I had to play, see that, but I never took the time to figure out how to do anything with my color computer too. So then around 2016, I found the, it came out with Donkey Kong Remix. Mm hmm. I had to play that, so I got a Coco 3 with 128K and tried to upgrade it to 512K. Got a triad board and a Super Spectro from Mark at Cloud9. Uh, ended up breaking my Coco 3 when I scratched the motherboard. Ouch. Yeah, so I had to get another Coco 3 that came with an old 512K board. Uh, got a Coco SDC card and 
found Nick's Popstar Pilot page in his game collection and saw all these other cool programs that were out there for the color computer and ran into, uh, I got see, Brandon Donahue, ran into him at uh, BCF West in Seattle last year and he installed my the Coco VGA. In the oh, car. neat. Oh, I still want one of those, yeah. So yeah, I was lucky that my Coco 2 is the right model that took took the version that he had for that. So I haven't uh, haven't done too much with it or done any programming, but I've got the the USB blaster thing. I need to upgrade the firmware on that one. No, no MC10. No, never got an MC10. I saw <laughs> no, one. It, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might have a door not. you need to pry pry open. So I saw one at the uh, Seattle Computer Museum in their uh, extra parts area. I think it took a picture. Their cocoa stuff, and I gotta give a shout out to Richard for fixing my broken Coco three and installing the sixty three oh nine and Boomerang E two board. Yeah, Richard's awesome. He fixes everything I break. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim and Jim fixes everything that Richard breaks. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> my other love probably is my Atari one thirty XE, and Richard upgraded my video with the. Uh, ultimate Atari video board in that. I've got wow. a couple SD card readers so I can play the Atari ROMs. Neat. So, yeah, I need to get one of those. I just got that that power cord you sent me just came in today too. So I, I couldn't remember what you had. Did you have an oh, 800, 800XL I think is what I have, yeah. Okay. Do you have any uh, the Uno cart or the... I don't have anything for it because I've never been able to plug it in or turn it on or anything. So Okay. So now I can now I can turn it on. So now I got to go to, to phase two, <laughs> find software. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. So my last things I'm uh, acquired was the the Super Spectro board from Mark. Is he's still updating that to work with the uh, Gimme eighty six timing? Uh, so since I didn't have a VGA board, I end up. Uh, using the Coco 3 video mating cable from Cloud9 to the 15-pin VGA and bound a 15 kilohertz analog RGB monitor that worked uh, directly from the RGB connection. So I've got an NEC AccuSync LCD monitor that works great. Richard, were you selling those, or did you come across those when we were at uh, Tandy Assembly? I remember you had something like that. Yeah, I, I had a few of them, but they're gone. Yeah. I just have yeah. one left that I personally use. Yeah, that's nice when you can do that with that just straight through cable like that. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. get any of my CRT mo a Commodore or Atari monitors to work with the horizontal and vertical sync signals. I never could come across a, a CM8 monitor either around here. What was your first love when it came to computers? You said VIC-20 you started with, but is that are you most um, nostalgic for the VIC-20, or has anything become your favorite system? I'd probably say the Coco and then the Atari. Okay. Those are the two that I, I use the most. Cool, cool. So you've, you've had a pretty cool history on computers, and you've been collecting for a long time. I'm a little bit new to the game, um, so that's cool. I ran across your YouTube videos playing the Coco games, and that's yep. how I got hooked up with the community. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for being here, and thanks for all the um, all the contributions over, over the years. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, uh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, all right, so let's let's go over um, anybody. Hey, Tom C. has just joined us there. There you go, Tom C., 
and um, product updates, project updates, acquisitions, anything like that. I believe Mark Overholzer said he has a little something, something to share with us. Oh, just real tiny. It's actually tied in with uh, uh, Mikey stuff. Basically, uh, uh, William Zambotti, I guess it is, uh, is porting uh, basically VCC, so it's uh, not dependent upon Windows, uh, DirectX, and Visual Studio. And so Mikey had grabbed a, a snapshot of the source code and had uh, adjusted it for the Mac, which we'll tell you about shortly. But I was having problems getting it to build on my uh, Ubuntu system, and he helped me last night. We got it figured out. So I now have it building. It's got a few issues still, but you know we're, we're making progress here. Okay. Now, are the issues just in the building of it? Or are there issues with once it's built, like running issues or compatibility issues? Uh, there was, and yes. <laughs> so okay. Uh, yeah, the the build the, I got it to actually build, uh, but it doesn't. When I compare it against the one that that uh, uh, Walter actually built, they don't work the same. Yeah. Okay. There's actually a video I made it a, a OVCC section on Discord. And there's actually a video in the bottom there that you can look at. So. Okay. Has anybody, and I know Mikey's working with it, but has anybody gotten it to build and run? Is it running for you now, Mark? Oh, yeah, it's running, but it's not running correctly with Popstar Pilot. So, I mean, it's running worse than BCC did, Popstar Pilot. Okay, now, is that is that um, is that just because of the state of where it is right now, because it's in a state of flux, or do you think maybe something didn't compile just just right I when you... I think, I it's, think it's, it's the timing bug. Yeah, it could be. Um but, I mean, yeah, Popstar's it's, fussy on timing, and it, the original VCC has a problem with Popstar too. Well, the the version that Walter compiled looks a lot like the original VCC. I mean, if I run the VCC under Wine on on Linux, but uh, Mikey's version's got something weird else with it. One thing about it, we're using a different compiler. We're using the C Lang instead of uh, GCC, so there could be something with that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's running enough that I can beat boot EOU six eight one nine fine, and that's good. Ah. You're running on the Mac. Three hundred nine does crash though. But the VCC has problems with the 609 in its original form as well. So I'm hoping Walter, once he gets the other things fixed up, there's some uh, there's a bug list. I think I posted four known bugs that I know of in the original VCC that hopefully he can fix while he's while he's doing this port for cross platform. That'd be nice. Cool, 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 cool. And maybe some of the rest of us can work on that too. <laughs> Those bugs. Yeah. And, and so maybe to kind of segue from there, because we did, you guys did talk about this last week, how Mikey is handling the Mac OS port of OVCC. And, um, and so what is, um, what is, uh, what does the O stand for? Is it, what's, what's the new graphics library called? Oh, I think, oh, just means open, I think. Oh, just open. Yeah. Okay. But what is it? SDL? Is that what it's called? The graphics library that it uses? Yeah. SDL. Okay, so Otis means open VCC. So this is the open source cross platform version of that. And and um and what's his name is Walter Zam Zambody is the one who's kind of running this project right now. And so Walter is handling the Windows binary and the Linux binary distributions. Mm-hmm. And then Mikey is handling the Mac OS distribution, right? Mm-hmm. And then anything you want to just maybe encapsulate for us, Mikey, and the state of the emulator and, and your distribution of it or anything? Yeah, so um, I think it was like the weekend after um, the holidays. Um, I had seen that uh, Walter had posted the source code for uh, OVCC. So you know, I was like, great. If that thing runs on Linux, I should be able to get it to build on, on uh, Mac OS. 
And uh, sure enough, uh, it actually wasn't really very, very challenging to do a build. And um, then uh, once I got the build and I got all the all the modules like MPI and uh, you know FD five hundred two and hard disk and all those other you know uh, on um, Windows they're DLLs, but on and on Linux they're called uh, .so for a shared object file. Okay. Mac they're even called something different called a uh, .dilib, but it's the same same idea. It's just a loadable uh, loadable uh, library module. Um, that all that all works. I built all that and uh, pretty much worked the first time. And uh, then um, for a Mac, um, the way that you give that applications work is they're actually like a, there's just a folder. And the folder has a certain directory, directory structure, has a configuration file, a couple other, you know, the binary, the, the actual executable has to go in a particular place and there's a place where you put all the resources like uh like the yeah that's those, the application uh, bundle like i think they call it right yeah so um i just looked up on line real quick how to how to do that and i threw together ovcc.app so okay cool and Maybe. i gave it to um uh l curtis boyle and i think um um, forget the other guy's name. Couple, couple guys tried it and they said, "Yeah, it works." So okay, okay. Now the app itself is working, but are there any? It sounds like there's a timing issue just in the emulation right now. Is what is that kind of what your theory is? Yeah. So um, we've had we've both you know mostly I think people are encountering um, you know they're encountering both bugs that already have existed in the 2.0.1b version of VCC. Um, the Pupstar the Pupstar pilot timing issue is one. 6309 not completely working is one. You know, there's there's a couple other bugs. Those are in those are in the 2.0.1b version that everybody right. okay. so, so, already. So these aren't new bugs, these are existing bugs. Well right. So people are hitting existing bugs and Walter did a lot of work um, to actually get it, you know, get it to compile on uh, Linux, and also with uh, with uh, SDO2. So there are also new bugs, new bugs that people ah, are hitting. new so and improved there's, bugs. There's, there's some of both. Um, okay, just to make it exciting. Yeah. Old bu- so we have old bugs and new bugs. Yeah. So it's a, sometimes it's a little hard to say whether um, whether the issue somebody's hitting is an old bug or a new bug, but I'm pretty sure that Mark's issue is um, probably um, probably one of the old bugs, because um, uh, I know when I run it on my Mac, uh, it has some timing issues as well um, with the. Uh, I think it has to do with the scrolling, but uh, yeah. So there's all those things going on, okay. and I'm perfectly happy to sit down with people on discord and uh you know i walked mark actually how to uh, debug some of these how to debug some of these issues and um you know how to how to fix them and you know uh, i can do the uh i can do the linux and mac builds so cool um, 
So that's yeah. cool. So it's progress, though. So in um, the fact that it's being currently worked on, which it has not been in quite some time, um, yeah. and and it's moving forward. So there's a lot of there's a lot of under the hood changes going on, as you mentioned. There's a new graphics routine. It's not using whatever Microsoft had direct direct DirectX. draw direct X or whatever. Right. So yeah. it's using a kind of cross platform. Uh, graphics engine and and so probably some code tweaks like you say so it can compile on different operating systems but yeah so these are growing pains but the fact it's growing is good because it's been yeah. stale for a long time have uh, uh, one one more comment um i ha have been in contact with uh some of the people who are maintaining the um like the real vcc the, the regular one and uh We've been we've been having some, you know, some discussions about that. Um, I probably shouldn't say that much more about it, but okay. Um, I, I feel pretty strongly that I don't want there to be a divergence in VCC where there are two versions that are going different directions. Yes, uh, I would agree with that. It, I'll just put it that way. So yeah. that's, that's something that's being that's being discussed. You know, if you guys are thinking, oh, oh VCC is going a completely different completely different direction that's 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 something that's on everybody's mind so um should be nice to uh walter i think and everything will be okay <laughs> yeah i think the direction it's going in is forward because the direction it's been going in has been stopped for a long yeah. time so right. uh and and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say it here anybody who's got a problem with that you come see me all right send them <laughs> my way mikey i'll take care of it okay <laughs> I'll give them. I'll give them some of my free opinions on what they should be concerned with in life, and it's not this. All right. So <laughs> I've noticed a few changes and differences between the the original, like we originally running in Wine, one of all that had to run the whole Wine emulation subsystem, so it took a ton of memory on the Mac to to launch it, and the new one just launches dirt quick because it doesn't have to do all that. Um, when it hits illegal six through nine instructions, the original VCC. Uh, running under wine would pop up a little, you know, black and white console window that would report some errors like this is unsupported, this is unsupported. Whereas the current build here, at least the few times I've hit it, you would try to do hardware divide instructions, it actually literally crashed and just exited right out. So that's handling some errors a little bit differently. Um, on the other hand, it's got some improvements too. Like if I remember the original VCC basically let you adjust the CPU clock speed up to 89 megahertz. And okay. the one is actually going over 500 megahertz as your maximum speed now. And it actually nice. So it's... It's lickety fast. So yeah. there's some improvements already showing up in there too. And I've thrown on the list a few of the bugs that I know of, like some palette settings are wrong and and that's some of the other things that Mikey already talked about. So As they would say in Boston, it's wicked fast. Yeah. Wicked so, fast. Uh, wicked fast. It's wicked evil. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing one thing I might add is um a lot of people who discover the cocoa is still around will probably get the emulator first and then being able to use it and have it work and get them excited is probably going to be a really cool thing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. thank you guys for doing that. Yeah. yeah MAME is way more full-featured, but it takes a whole heck of a lot more to set up. I mean, VCC yeah. as it is, just, you know. Just yeah, VCC yeah. is plug and play, and, and, and MAME is like, you know, learn the command line. <laughs> yep, it's the ease of use version of VCC. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, Mikey, thanks for um, thanks for working on it. And you know we need we need uh, I, I'm I'm in favor of this 
project moving forward? And, you know, my the first emulator I played with was VCC only because, as you guys mentioned, ease of use, right? So I didn't understand the fact that you needed to have ROMs in the folder of the thing, you know, and stuff like that. So a lot of my early Coco videos were on VCC, and I think it was Curtis that pointed out, dude, what are you using? Because those artifacts look really bad. <laughs> you know, So the one downside of VCC is that it doesn't artifact well. So hopefully that's something that would be on a future um, update. But you know, you got to you got to pick your pick your battles and, and prioritize what's going on. Um, if we get a multi platform, then there's a very high likely that somebody else will step up and help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I think MAME has gotten so successful because it's got the better artifacting. It's got the full six yeah. emulation emulates more hardware add ons and stuff too, is because it is cross platform and you can share bits between, like you could say, or share the Game Master cartridge sound chip driver with some other stuff that uses that driver as well. So it, it definitely works a, a lot more for getting more encouragement of developers getting involved with it. But it's much harder to set up than VCC. So this is definitely like an ease of use project, and it's, it's making good progress. VCC, as it was, was basically set up for Windows. And if you wanted to run it under Linux or if you wanted to run it under Mac, you'd have to set up Wine and everything else to run that, too. So you had to do extra setup on top of it. So it's kind of getting into main territory again. So yeah. this greatly solves that. Absolutely. On yeah. uh, MAME, Chet is able to use contributions to other emulators to update the Coco. He was working on the sound capabilities and implementing some of the sound cards by using software written for some of the other emulators. Yeah, I actually took uh, the uh, SN uh, chip code from MAME and moved it over to BCC, and it was actually very easy to do. Uh, you know, going in that direction, I think it took uh, you know an afternoon to get something up and running, and then you know another day to to get everything polished up. It was pretty easy to to, to get up and done. Hey, hey, real quick, I want to say hi to a friend of mine who just joined us, Matt Taylor. What's going on, dude? What's going on, man? How you doing, brother? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, Where are you? In? Where are you? I'm in uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama, right now. Are you still enlisted? Uh, no, sir. I am an officer. Oh, oh. I mean, are you still? Are you still in? This, are you still? Are you still in the military? I should say. He's an officer. Absolutely, I fly helicopters now. Oh man! So, 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 just so you guys know, Matt used to live upstairs from me in an apartment uh, years and years ago. I think my oldest daughter, Madison, was maybe three or four at the time. Matt was about fourteen at the time. How old are you now, Matt? I'm thirty. Okay, so it's been it's been sixteen years if you do the math. So um, cool. What's what's been going on, dude? Yeah, well, not much. Uh, just trying to figure some stuff out here, get a couple things working. But uh, I saw the invite to the show and figured I'd uh, jump on and see what's up. And we're talking old computers, man. Hey, interesting stuff. Uh, so, do you have a helicopter emulator? Helicopter. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> that's my setup. Bridal inputs, cyclic pedals, kind of a nerd. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, got an entire uh, room dedicated to Star Wars, uh, pretty much every other kind of science fiction I've ever been into. Cool, if, man. Glad you could join us, dude. If you're looking for help, this is the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> this is sarcasm, on the other hand. Yeah, this is this is old guys anonymous tonight. So yeah. <laughs> Depending what kind of help you want. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to, to get over your dependency, no help here. <laughs> yeah. So cool, man. Thanks for joining us, dude. And feel yeah. free to 
feel free to chime in at any time. Um, John Strong, you mentioned you had some some updates. You've been showing us some of your future joystick designs that you've been working on. Well, just some prototyping design work and things, and I just thought I'd follow up a little bit with it. And uh, I've got the analog stick down to about this size. Oh, wow. Here. Neat. Okay. Uh, I've got to see how, you know, I'm going to get it to screw together properly and everything. But yeah, Turn, turn it nice, where we can but... see the stick. Turn it where we can see the stick pointing up. Okay. Now, that's 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 360-degree analog? Yeah. And that's loosey-goosey like a Black Beauty? There's no spring-loaded yeah. or centering there? Exactly. So this is a new and improved Black Beauty you're working on there? Dual-button okay. Black Beauty. Dual-button Black Beauty. Okay. So, that looks cool. It's uh, some just experimentation and, and things to do that, waiting for some switches yet to come in. Uh, while waiting on the switches, I uh, kind of stopped and uh, went through and pulled out some old projects. Uh, That's an itty-bitty stick. Uh, and so That's something what she to... said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought this wasn't the After Dark version. <laughs> That's why we don't have ladies here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we can't have nice things. So. Well, yeah. I wanted to address real quickly. We was asked... Uh, show us so ago about the 3d printers and such and the differences these two pieces were printed are from the same uh size file circle in the center okay, okay in the cad file they were printed with different software that okay. sliced them and that hole is totally a different size yeah this is, this is the compatibility problems with across the different ones it says and you know this software, what this setting does to it. But, you know, basically I have to go through, do the settings, and then, okay, what did my software do to it on mm. top of what I told it to do? Wow. Hey, John, and, was, was that mini joystick the MC10 version? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay, and that's where I have my paddle, just working a little bit on it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And these are all, you're, you're 3D printing all of these yourself, right? Yeah, and this is where I made it. I'm at so far with a thumbstick. Okay, cool, cool. That looks like a PlayStation or Xbox style thumbstick there. Yeah, that looks cool. That's neat. And so just trying to see what it takes. I mean, you can buy these modules already on a, a PC board or you can get them without. You can get them with the thumbstick, without the thumbstick. Same basic module okay over here except i printed a handle for it okay and uh we're trying to see if i get something that, that's nice and useful you know that other people would use and that, that can be 3d printed there's some challenges there the way this is designed and the length of these getting them to be contained i don't know if you can see the gap here if it's enough light along this edge between here. Okay. Barely, but yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Being at night, the light changed a different. I didn't think about that before. I might have moved the light back and set it on top of my laser printer or something for the night, but it was too late when I, before I seen the lighting was that bad. But, uh, so there's some challenges there. Uh, 
trying to get something that that'll 3D print, you know, on, the, on my 3 print 3D printer, and uh, also putting the switches in those, putting something that'll work. Um, I think I'm going to have to design my own uh, cap mechanism, use maybe a right angle switch, and then if anybody guessed how well they'll hold up, we'll have to play test those and see how quick they break or if they hold up. So there's a lot involved in that. Uh, so. Wow, those are some really neat designs. You got a lot of variety of shapes and sizes and stuff there. Yeah, and you know, and then as you build them, there's things you do that say, "Oh, well, I need to do this to help it build better." There's a probably can't see it, but on by that pot, there's a, a couple tabs there to keep it from rotating. So once it's lined up, it's there. Okay. Okay. And so there's things you, as you build them, that you miss in the original design. Oh, that needs this. Okay, or, well, this doesn't 3D print real good. It looks real good in the computer. Okay, but I'm going to print it. It's crap. And uh, so you you have those different options to do. So it's just like any design work, you know, you do a version and then you do the next version. Yeah, yeah. What's the turnaround time from you to order the parts and print up the 3D case and, and um, you know, hack it all together and try it? Like how long does it take to crank out a custom joystick? Well, it takes some time. I'm still waiting on some switches. I've ordered from uh, a batch of them because I wanted to order. You know, if I want to use them, I want all the same size. So I bought them cheap from China. So I'm I'm still waiting on those. But uh, a joystick mechanism takes, depending on how much I want to pay. If they have it on Amazon, a couple days, or or if it's not on Amazon, it may take a, a week or to a month. So it, it's depends on a lot of time and and uh, on that and some of these projects stuff is you know something I've had later when I started on and got distracted on you know I started on some of this stuff a long time ago and so just getting back to the project how long does the 3d printing take for the different designs like let's say your paddle one versus your joystick one type thing well the paddle ones well for example the the knob on this took like 45 minutes for the knob, okay? Uh, maybe a couple of hours for the case. Oh, that thing you were showing us where you showed the two side-by-side, side, those were your knobs? Yeah, they were different sample okay. knobs. I've been yeah, you know, honestly, when I first saw that, it looked like the freaking revolver. It looked like a barrel, like a, a revolver barrel, well, like where you put in like a six-shooter or something. You well, know? Like, What's this guy making holes. guns to get through airport security? What's going on here, John? Well, there's so. some holes in there. <laughs> if you... I didn't want the software to just do their regular fill, okay? I wanted it to be pretty strong, but I didn't want to fill it there. By me putting the holes in it where I want, it then fills in most of the rest of the area. So it's actually probably stronger design than letting the software decide where to, to print and not print itself. Yeah, okay. So now it's John Strong. It's John <laughs> yeah. Strong. <laughs> it's like yes. Army Strong, but it's John Strong. So. Yeah. All right. Yes. So that, that's kind of the reason for those holes in the bottom is I just wanted to force it to be, you know, strong where I want it to be. And so there was tests on those. And uh, but by the time you run a half, a, you know, half a dozen of these, you know, it adds up even on the, on the small ones. And yeah. So it so, takes time. So did you say you were having a naming a convention for these things? Are they going to be strong sticks or... 
I'm I'm not sure. I was going to go Coco Cade, and I see somebody else using that on a, on a build, and I so I might try to think of something else. Okay, and uh, just just know that um, Jason Reichard has the market cornered on any Australian-sounding product name, so it can't be an Australian-sounding <laughs> name at all. So. Yeah, but he writes it right side up. That isn't right. He just <laughs> upside down. Well, I, I am working on an MC10 version. <laughs> That's a 3D printed MC10, huh? So, nice. Nice. And, uh, Looking good, so, John. Okay, well, that's kind of what's going on here. And didn't make a little bit of progress, not a whole lot. And uh, I don't you guys seen that? The, yeah, it's the Coco, uh, top of the Coco 2, 3 case looking thing. Yeah. Scale. Half side, yeah. Half uh, yeah. size. Yeah, it looks cool. Okay. And uh, just to let you know, I've been sick this week and still not feeling that good. So if I drop off without letting you guys know, no offense, Matt. So okay. Now, you should have told us before you joined the call because now we can all catch it from you. So, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm here on I'm here on the computer with then going down at Denny's with my ham you're buddies. Gonna, you're going to give us a computer it. virus. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. but yeah, but that's what you got Norton and the other stuff for. So, all right. Well, from okay. the mind, from the mind and the laboratories of John Strong, we got uh, half a dozen custom joysticks are cooking. Hopefully, these products will be available in the near future for your gaming goodness. Um, did anybody else have an update or an acquisition to talk about this week? I got a couple games. Oh, got uh, Mind Roll, and uh, another one here. So. I get you know from my daughters, I get the eye rolls. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Rad Warrior, that's a cool game. Yep. So yep. pick those up. Those are in the those are the uh, clamshell like or the, you know like the the bubble the blister pack right so yep, yep. that's original packaging which yeah, is original nice. yellowing yeah <laughs> yes they do <laughs> yeah those look cool so what yeah. is mind roll I don't think I ever played that game before I haven't either it looks that, like it's, a, it's like a 3D game it looks like a maze game okay you know, like an eight ball yeah. oh that looks kind of cool. It's one of those fat binary ones too. It actually it runs on the Coco one and two using the artifacting color set, and then it has a custom color set. You have Coco three, where each level is kind of themed. Like there's blues and then there's oranges on the different. Oh, levels. cool, cool! I'm gonna have to find that. I'm gonna have to track that one down. Neat, neat, neat. Cool. That's funny because I been saying for weeks that I was gonna find my box of Coco stuff. Well, yesterday I found it, and one of the cartridges in the box was Mind Roll. Wow. Very cool. I guess the mind roll is better than uh, mind melt or head explode, right? So, um, good stuff. And I found uh, a speech sound cartridge. I thought I sold the one I had, but I had obviously had another one. And I found some disc controllers, and I found a Black Beauty joystick because I haven't been able to play any of the games without a joystick. It's cool how you have all this stuff. You put it away... And then you find it again, and it's brand new. Somebody yeah. Like yeah. left it yeah. for you, and it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. one thing I found that might be of interest to Stevie was the Coco Song, Coco Songbook. Coco Songbook, huh? Yeah, I, I should have brought it in with me. It's in the bedroom, 
but it's a book that Rainbow, I guess, published or somebody published. It's all full of basic listings of songs. Wow. So this is something Stevie could get past level one on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And we may I, just have to write Stevie a game that starts at level 99 and goes to one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Work my way backwards. It's easier as you play it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Al, I wanted to ask you, because I think you mentioned you found several different sound cards, too, didn't you? Like several different manufacturing speech systems. Yeah, I found a speech systems. I guess that's called the Super Voice. Well, they had oh. a couple. They, their original one was kind of more like the speech pack. It was the mono. And then they came out with like the Real Talker Super Voice one that... The, I, I, the, the one I have looks like the, the Spectrum Sound, um, the Spectrum Voice Pack, but it's got a Speech Systems golden label on it, and that's all it says is Speech Systems Batavia, New York. And okay. It doesn't say what it is, so I have no clue. Because the, the 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 Super Voice one actually lets you change the inflections. You could have the voice pitch go up and down and make it sound more more human rather than the robotic voice you get with the Speech Sound Pack. It was quite good. I remember because Bill or somebody in our club had it. It might be a super voice because in the same box were a set of manuals and they were the super voice manuals. Oh, cool. We'll have to get you to actually demonstrate that at some point here just to show what the difference is between that try and and see how it works and have to find the software. And I found a Spectrum voice pack and I found another Cocomax cartridge. So I have two now. And I found a JM disc controller that, that's the double ROM with the switch. And I yep, found the parallel port. Uh, no, this one is not parallel. Not parallel. Not a parallel port. And I found a hard drive specialist controller. Also has the dual ROM. Uh, but that only has one ROM chip in it. They all have extended base, uh, extended disk basic. And the JNM had uh, a JDOS as the second switchable ROM. And what else did I find? Oh, I found a micro memory or memory micro serial to parallel box brand new in the box never used a uh, bunch of y cables for the serial and joystick ports and holy crap what else was it it's like a coco christmas oh yeah coco christmas a couple of different different um steve bjork you know those high-res joystick controllers one okay was for Co color max one was for coco max one was the standard tandy edition uh yeah not in the box though they were just floating loose around in the bottom of the box and i'll have to see and a whole bunch of diskettes of different software you know rainbow uh on disc and uh zebra software and something called pen pal from that guy in canada uh you know it looks like it'd be fun being in your room over there well <laughs> it's kind of like a miniaturized version of ron's grade yeah that's a Model 4D right on my right elbow here. Behind me is an Atari, I don't know if you can see it, is an Atari Mega ST. And above it is an ST512. And then to my left is an LNW80, which is a TRS-80 Model 1 clone with the Amiga monitor on top. And there's an Amiga 1000 behind me somewhere. And you can't see them. I got two Mac Minis to my left. I have a Mac iMac up here above my Dell computer that I'm on. I've got computers everywhere. That's why I don't like being in this room on the camera because it's so messy. Everything. <laughs> it's like depending uh, on yeah. So it's, are you uh, kidding? That's like geek porn. Yeah, yeah right, we're right, gonna yeah, complain. So. It's like Stop. a computer yeah. geek threw up in here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're all, we're all for it. Above my head are two Apple II GSs 
and a Laser 128 computer and a Laser 512, uh, which is the, P the XT clone. So can you actually... So, hey, hey, Al, there's a, couple, there's a couple people in the live chat who want to know your address, your alarm code, and when <laughs> yeah. your schedule is when you're not going to be home for a few I'm hours. Home. So. I'm home all the time. Oh, okay, so... <laughs> can you... Uh, I, have a, I have a very big dog. <laughs> uh, cool, cool, cool. Hey, we hey, had a few, friendly. Had a few new people have joined us, so Diego has joined us. Diego Barizo from Ecuador has joined Is Ecuador, did I get it right? Where are you from, Diego? Did I get it right or did I get it wrong? I think he's in Uruguay. Uruguay, yeah. yes, Uruguay. Uh, I know I know it's one of those damn foreign countries. So, yeah. <laughs> Uruguay. Oh, Uruguay. I have a hard time with that name. I don't know why. So, you're, how are you doing, Diego? Just uh, remember the Simpsons episode when they go, you are gay. You are gay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's Excellent. the country that the market is cornered on. Yes, 100% stakeholder in the switcheroo inventory in the entire country. 100% saturation. Yes. <laughs> the other thing, we could corner the market on that too. The, yeah. And we also had uh, Paul Shoemaker has joined us. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hi, fellas. Doing good. How are hey, you guys doing? I have a really bad memory. Have you been on before? Just lurking. I've never actually uh, joined, I guess. Okay, welcome. I'm hearing some echo from you, though. Do you have your speakers playing the call? I don't. Probably talking too loud. I don't know. Cause I don't know. When I'm it sounds like Steve's echoing, not you. And I just realized I have no idea how to play this game. Is that mine roll? It is mine roll, but I have no idea what I'm doing. We're getting echo from somebody now. Probably me. See if you can lower the volume of the Zoom call or if you, can, if you can pop on headphones. Okay, now that he's muted, the echo's gone. Yeah, I think it was you, Paul. We'll get it figured out. But hey, thanks for being here. Good to have you. When you get your sound uh, fixed, we, we'll play This Is Your Life and you can tell us all about uh, who you are, what you're doing, some of your Cocoa projects. So we've, we've shared some of your Facebook posts before and stuff like that too. That'd be kind of cool. Um, all right, anybody else with a product update, project update, acquisition, anything like that? We good? I'm, I'm I'm still continuing on archiving my Cocoa discs. I have gone through I think two boxes now out of twenty <clears throat> of the big you know plastic boxes. And I've actually found a few things that aren't even on their archives. So there will be some stuff going up to the archive soon. Cool, cool, cool. So you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? Me? Yeah. Isn't yeah. it fun? In in some ways, yes. Some ways, no. It, it's fun going, you know, seeing stuff I haven't seen in years and kind of forgot I had. But on the other hand, there's so many discs to go through here. That, you know, I, I'm kind of going off the EOU completely to do this. So I'll be off of it for weeks. Plus, I'm getting busy with work now again, too. So you know, things are going to be slowing down for getting anything productive done for Cocoa stuff. So okay. it's kind of a... You know, really, there's, there's no need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't code so well with no sleep. I have, to, no. I have tried that before. It doesn't work. Take a page out of Zipster's book. Be a Cylon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, hey, Jason, well, I... or, uh, Steve, if you want to zoom up Jason while we're talking here, just to show what Monroe looks like, you can see the Cocoa 3 palette thing there, what it looks like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shit. I, this always screws up when I double-click it. Double-clicking never seems to work. Hold on. How do I do this? Do I have to hit Spotlight? There we go. Oh, yeah, look at that. That looks pretty good. Yeah, and each level has its own color. It's like scheme. it's an eight ball, so you're like rolling an eight ball through a maze. 
Yeah, you have to click keys and there's, you know, zapper squares and all kinds of stuff and trap. Yeah, the scrolling is pretty smooth. I know we're I know it's going through a capture device and we're um Yeah, and we're doing uh, composite right now, but Yeah, yeah. No, that looks good. So I loaded this game. game up. It's just cross platform too. It's actually on multiple systems. Mm. What's that, Paul? I said I loaded this game for the first time like two days ago, and I tried the first level. Has anyone ever tried the first level? That uh, stupid hallway where you just go forever? It just goes forever. Yeah, so I figured I didn't know how to play. Yeah, just skip that level. I, there, every once in a while, it does let me, if I jump, it'll let me fall through, but I haven't figured out how that works yet. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not You're not alone. Yeah, Are no, you... I just skipped that level entirely. Good. You, sound you can do that? Paul. So you're saying I can skip level one on this game here? Yeah, you can get past level one in this game. Okay. Right, as soon as you start the game, it asks you what level you want to go to. So it's a perfect game for you, Stevie. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, well, we're going to... We're gonna, um, we're gonna we're gonna get Paul Shoemaker to tell us his life story, but I want to share a few things now too. I've been waiting very patiently, and I and my 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 anticipation I can't I can't hold it anymore. So, um, couple of couple of project updates, and so I'm gonna switch screens here for just a second. Why does this always do this now? Left monitor, full screen. Every time I fix this, it never um, stays. Fixed. Is it this one? This okay. Here we go. All right. So if uh, on the retro swag shop now there is a new item. There is the new Coco Talk logo that was drawn by Rick Adams' son Joel Adams. So um, you guys have probably seen the new logo, which I've put. I've been using it on the show, but I haven't made it into merchandise. So I want to show you something because when I added this today, this is the logo here. You see the little guy holding up his thumb. Coco Talk thumbs up, right? Now, it just so turns out we've got, now we've got hats, right? So there are baseball caps. There are um, different types of mugs. There's ball caps. There's, um, this one here is called a snapback baseball cap, which I have no idea what the hell that means, but it looks cool, right? So there's, there's, there's like new merchandise doohickeys now that are available that I'm going to have to update to all our other products now too, but we've got Three different style ball caps. There's a whole bunch of different types of mug options now. There's even like a camping mug. So um, there's a little baby cap. So there's all kinds of new swag. And so this is the brand new Coco Talk logo that you can get in a men's shirt, woman's shirt, uh, sweatshirts, bags, hats, mugs, you name it. Um, I think it looks pretty cool. It's just very simple. It's very minimal. And it just says Coco Talk. So um, brand new product on the swag shop. Available now operators are standing by so if you go to 8bit256.com you can check that out a quick now, question before you go on to the next yeah um we, they've got the official design now for the next coco fest logo for from Glenside. yeah i don't like it <laughs> I'll, I'll take the answer then is probably okay no but what were you going to say making t-shirts for the well, here's the thing. I didn't design it, and I don't feel like I should be trying to sell something and capitalize on something I didn't do. If whoever designed it said, hey, do you want to make this a T-shirt and we can maybe well, direct the proceeds to Glenside or something like that, that would yeah, be... Yeah, or split the proceeds or whatever, because I yeah. know they, somebody asked John Linville, I might even Steve Bjork actually, was asking about uh, you know the design of the T-shirt. We'd have to change the gray in the background, and it sounds like nobody's doing a T-shirt based on it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if anybody discussed this. So, yeah, I mean, I don't... You can use my artwork anytime you want. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather put the Ron Del Vaux graphic on a T-shirt myself. But uh, um, can we yeah. get Ron Del Vaux on a T-shirt? Can we get Ron Del Vaux on a T-shirt? I'd buy that. Yeah. 
so that's a good question curse i don't know who drew it so whoever the artist is if we get their permission to do that yeah, I, ask neil because neil's in direct contact with him okay and he sounds like so, he's he's open to making some changes to make it work on his shirt and stuff so. yeah yeah and i'm not saying it's it's bad artwork or anything it's just it was not my, of all the ones done this was not my favorite and it's nice but i think there's things missing like it doesn't say it's the 28th annual coco fest there's a few things like that but there's only so much space even like the one where ron when ron delvo did one feature creep set in and can you put the date and can you do this and you can you do that you know it's hard that, that to balance neat. yeah it's hard <laughs> it's hard to balance all the things you want and make it look pretty you know yeah. so i get it i get it but there I, that's just not my favorite design but listen hey i'm i'm not the only person in the world I, I i realized that like yesterday so um <laughs> <laughs> so anyways the new coco talk logo is now available to get on a variety of swag products but wait there's more here's another project i have been um wanting to do and just I, to, the the nice thing about having the show at 9 p.m tonight is i had all day to play catch up on my coco projects right so uh, i've got more to catch up on but also on the swag shop i need to find my mouse where the hell is my mouse it's over here okay so if you go to the swag shop under dvds now um the uh the best of coco talk volume one and volume two these are now new editions these are now called the quote unquote very best of coco talk one and volume two and you will ask yourself what is even better on these versions well i'm glad you asked because i'm going to show you um well the in the inside sleeves now have all of the autographs of everybody who was at this year's coco fest if you recall i was asking everybody to just kind of sign those cards and i got a number of those cards signed of all the people now there was two of these that were auctioned off at the show that were the actual you know first generation signatures of the people these are high resolution scans of the signatures and since there's a volume one and volume two there's two different discs each of these cards the signatures are different if you look when i switch between my tabs here you can see how the signatures change so these are all the different various autographs from the majority of the people who attended coco fest um, last year are all in here so these are autographed editions of the Coco, best of coca talk volume one and two and there's bonus clips on both of these two so because these were produced before the fest there's now some fest type material that's been added to the discs as well so not only are they autographed but there's bonus material so that is new stuff in the swag shop some of those um, autographs look like they're in crayon <laughs> well, the very best of coco talk dumpster the, fire not included dumpster fire not included but yeah are you so, gonna, are well, you gonna one, do a commercial we are i think ron has to go potty so <laughs> um so yeah we do i have more to show but ron needs a potty break so we'll we'll come back um after this so go ahead ron i'll i'll start with the sponsors and the commercial break and for those of you who are new to the show when you hear the commercials don't talk because people will hear you talking um so we'll be back in just a little bit go ahead ron <laughs> all right so we'll start off by thanking some of our sponsors and some community members like the coco vga project at coco uh creator of fine quality 
Dumpster Fire Products, Boyson Technologies, B-O-Y-S-O-N Tech.com. Check them out. Uh, Jim Brain, our resident troll from Retro Innovations. You can get all kinds of cool new merchandise for your Commodore, for your TI, and for your Coco at go, the number four, retro.com. Let's not forget Cloud9 Technologies. Uh, Dan Loyal mentioned he got lots of stuff from them. So Cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Been making fine quality Coco products for 20 or more years. Uh, the list goes on. Our very own Jason Reichert has many, many products like the Wallaby Cable and the Switcheroo, and those are all available at CocoMan.biz. Not only are we streaming live on YouTube, uh, also available as a podcast uh, on iTunes and whatnot. But we're also now live on Roku on the Coco TV channel. Thank you to Roger Taylor. As I mentioned, we got merchandise for days. We got swag. Uh, you can check that out at 8bit256.com. Check us out on the web. Our show, I'm a coconut.com and cocotalk.live for everything you need to know about us. Uh, let's not forget the Coco Crew in its fourth year, the original Coco podcast, cococrew.org. Good friend of the show, Nick's neighbor in Australia, Brian Joyce and Extructus Productions at extructus.com. And last but not least, the human Cylon himself, the maker of many things, Ed Snyder at the Zipster Zone at the Z-I-P-P-S-T-E-R zone.com. Coco Talk will return after these messages when Ron's done peeing. We'll see you all in a little bit. Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as the Stevie Throw Devil and the SD Pack. And you are watching... Coco Talk. Three, two, go. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom plan this one any better, Instagram huh? artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95, or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up, and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. We now return you to Coco Talk. And we're back. Hey, Ron, did everything come out okay? <laughs> just, just wait. He's, he's working on the stack right now. I had a, do I had a donut. <laughs> ah, excellent, excellent. I didn't know it was time for the core dump segment. No. Yeah. I have a better dump than you got. <laughs> All right. I got a Timex Sinclair 1000. It's a much better doorstop. It is. It's it's uh it's a lot more streamlined for getting underneath there. It's a good monitor. Seven of them. I got a rock. The MC10 weighs more. 
<laughs> but we used to use these at Zebra as monitor stands. You could put a monitor. The MC10 yeah, yeah, has we, better yeah. Windows support. <laughs> yeah, it, it jams right up in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah listen, uh, the MC10's been doing some cool graphics lately. Oh, you yeah. I got see that? I got some. Uh, I got Pretty some neat. queued up to show you in the news segment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I got I got a few more acquisitions to show off if you guys can handle it, and then we're gonna then we're gonna play. This is your life. You guys want to see my? And some of these are are courtesy of our own Dan Loyal, who's in the panel with us here today. So uh, if you recall, maybe it was maybe right before Christmas, we were talking about joysticks, and I said, well, if anybody wants to know what to get me for Christmas, you could get me one of these here and I was only half joking but uh, so Dan found one of these and sent it to me this is um, the Tandy Deluxe uh, you know pistol, uh, grip. pistol grip joystick with the with the price tag on it right and uh, and yeah this thing is like pristine when you look at it you know it's got the trigger on the top it's got the thumbstick on here it's got the four suction cups nothing is uh, is uh, like moldy or, or dry rotted or anything so it's really clean um, really nice joystick right and so, well, the only thing is now, see if he's going to get to level two. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, but they can't but, perform miracles. Now, and then here's another one. I didn't even, I didn't know this one existed, but this is a, almost a clone of this. But this is a Suncom analog edge. The only thing it's missing is the trigger, but it's got the top button, and I, I like the colors. It's got the same switch on the bottom to switch between which buttons that you could use. But this was for the Tandy 1000, which also works on our Coco 1 and 2, right? So I had never seen these before, but this is in really, really good shape. So thanks, Dan, for sending no, both of those. Hey, you know what else, you know what else is missing on that joystick? You know What's what? that? A good player. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Suncom is a choice for this little slick sticks. Little. Yeah. I, got a, I got a question about the stick. Yeah. Um, do you have to lick the bottom here to get these to stick good? It's not no. a stamp, Ron. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to lick the bottom of the suction cup for it to yeah. stick. You never know. I, I yeah, it's nothing nothing After better than years. yeah. Nothing like hey. the taste of licking old rubber, huh? So flavor uh, not included. <laughs> you remember back in the old days, you used to keep that sponge on your desk desk for stamps. Well, you yeah. used suction cups. Yeah. All right, and the last thing I'm going to show off, and this is not a Cocoa product, but it could be, but this just came in the mail today. This is an Xbox One Sega Genesis style joystick that I am very, like, you notice the D-pad, it's a four-directional D-pad. So I was, nice. playing some, I was playing some old retro games the other day on the Xbox, and I'm like, you know, these Xbox controllers, they just can't handle, even Pac-Man. It's hard to play Pac-Man on those things because you can't just get four directions, right? So this is a very good quality, very well built. It's very rugged. I mean, and in my opinion, the Sega, like the Sega Genesis and maybe the Sega Saturn six button controllers, those were that was like joystick nirvana. You know, you everything fit in your hands. Everything was built well. You could play games well on it, and you didn't need anything more than that. The minute we started getting multiple sticks and analog and triggers and all this kind of crap, joysticks have just gone straight to hell. You know. But that old Sega style, I love that style controller. That's like, to me, that's perfection in, in a gamepad, you know? To this day, when I sit down and play games on my PC, I just get that old-fashioned joystick, and I've got a throttle controller, and, yeah, I, oh, you know, it's just like you're inside of an aircraft or something, and it's just Nirvana. 
Yeah. So um, for for like a lot of the console gaming, um, to me that's that Sega stick was that was perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just just like in the Coco, it's hard to recreate the Coco sticks on on anything else. It's hard to recreate just four directional digital sticks properly with our modern controllers because they're just they're too advanced, you know. So um, sometimes this is, you get this is my favorite right here, the Black Beauty. Yeah, and the metal top, not the cheap plastic one. Yes, yeah. Yep. Well, this one says TDP electronics on it. Uh, oh, it's a TDP joystick. That's yes. really uncommon. Yeah. That was the one I used the most too, and actually I unscrewed the top and then I I used it as a thumb controller. Yeah. Screw the top on the black plastic ones. You can't. Wow. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So, Paul Shoemaker, are you ready to play This Is Your Life? I'm not sure. All right. (laughs) He's chickening out. (laughs) (laughs) Or smarting up, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Go. So, what do you guys want to know? Uh, tell us what, you know, what kind of, uh, retro systems did you used to play on when they were, you know, back in the day and, and what are you doing now for the hobby? So I think I probably started with Coco's the same way everybody, you know, actually once Steve, I, I either read or heard something that you said around how you got started and sort of your progression from a Coco two to a Coco three to like a Tandy 1000. And then you stopped it being in Coco's for a while. That was almost exactly the same path that I took in terms of um, got a Coco 2 when I was, I don't know, 14 years old, uh, 16K, standard basic, I convinced my folks to upgrade it to extended, and then uh, maybe next Christmas got a floppy disk and was kind of off from there. And then uh, when the Coco 3 came out, I got that. And, you know, I don't want to start anything, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't... Uh, I remember thinking the composite output wasn't as good as uh, as I had on the Coco 2. And um, just by and large, it just it didn't do everything that I wanted it to do. And so I ended up um, selling it and getting a, a Tandy 1000EX. And then that sort of took me down my career uh, path. And like today, I work for Hewlett Packard. And um, I don't program... Um, professionally, but I did manage to get at least one rejection letter from uh, the rainbow before, before that uh, stopped being a thing. And um, I guess uh, I got back into the Coco twice. In 1996, I, I managed to, I think it was through eBay. I don't even remember where I got it from, but I, I ended up buying a Coco 2 and uh, a bunch of extra stuff. And um after about a year or so, I wrote a game that um, was was since ported over to the uh, the MC10 called um, uh, Caves of the Unwashed Heathen, and it was my first foray into assembly language as well. In terms of, I actually did the low res um, 3D view in assembly language because it was just too slow to do it in regular BASIC, and so I, I wrote that game. I did that game, and then. A couple years went by. I lost interest in the Coco again and uh, sold all that stuff. And then maybe two or three years ago, I guess I um, got the bug again and I got back on eBay and I uh, ended up buying uh, a bunch of new Cocos and uh, I started working on a couple of new games. And so I've posted a, a couple of um, 
I don't know, progress videos, screenshots, whatever on Facebook. Uh, the first thing I, I've started and I've set it aside was a was a, a clone of Wizardry, because yeah, that, that looked good. Yeah, it was a game that I always really enjoyed um, as a as a kid, and it was just it never, for whatever reason, I don't think anyone even ever did a clone of Wizardry for. Frankly, Pear had one that they were. I remember this had full page ads for it, but I okay. never saw it, so I don't know if it ever got finished and released. Does anybody else know on the panel? This would have been about 83, 84. Yeah. Wizardry is different from Gantlet or Gauntlet. Yes. Yeah, no, it's a role-playing game. It's it's totally different than... It's not an arcade game. It's a sort of more along... I, the two main uh, role-playing games at the time were the Ultima style and the Wizardry style. That was that was the big one. And Wizardry was text-based. It wasn't really graphics or... No, well, no I had no. a little 3D look, and you had your little monster panel and... Right. Yeah, you'd walk through 3D mazes in a little corner, and then you'd have your stats, and you'd also have your monsters as they showed up. Yeah, I, I never saw it, which is odd, because usually either for Spectrum or Zebra, I reviewed a lot of products for us to carry, and I would usually see most of the games, and I don't remember ever seeing that. You know, Wizardry was released on a lot of different pl platforms. Yeah, but I played on the Apple II myself. Yeah, that's the first time I played it was on an Apple II, and then um, I got it again for my Tandy 1000, and they had redesigned the interface to be kind of a windowy interface instead of having the little 3D view up in the top left-hand corner. It actually took up the whole screen, um, and that's the version that I was uh, trying to recreate for for the Coco 2. Actually, I started on the Coco 3 and then decided to put it on the Coco 2 instead, and so I got about part of the way through it, and then. Um, I started working on the game that I'm almost done with now, which um, the way that I came to it was a bit of a of a of a long road. So I I got Coco VGA not at this ten, Tandy assembly, but at the last one. And uh, one of the things I thought that was really cool about the Coco VGA was the uh, 64 column mode. And I thought now that the Coco 2 has 64 column mode with Coco VGA, I'm going to um, kind of uh, write a version of D&D, &D, or it's uh, also called Telengard. And I remember not knowing that whether or not there was a version of Telengard out for the Coco 2. It turns out there is. And somebody wrote a really cool, um, years ago, I guess, somebody wrote a really cool high-res graphics interface for it. And um, somebody on the on the Facebook page uh, pointed it out to me. I downloaded it and played it. I thought it was pretty cool. But what I thought would be neat was would be to write it in 64-column mode using the low res graphics that the Coco has sort of built into it, which is kind of the way that game was written to be run. So I started working on that and then it occurred to me, why don't I give it kind of a facelift and have that old, that sort of old style D&D uh, &D approach or telling guard approach, but with a, um, with sort of a high res graphics view. So um, I'm just about done with it right now. I actually am all, all done except for creating the rest of the levels, which is a bit tedious. But the the gameplay is finished, and the um, and and the core of the game is all done. And it's basically just old style Telengard with um, kind of a tops down view of the dungeon that you can see. And it, you know, you you guy doesn't run around on the dungeon screen or anything like that. It's just something pretty to look at while you are crawling through the dungeon and in fact that's what i'm calling my version of it uh dungeon crawl cool so almost done and when it's done i will definitely share it with the community 
That's neat. That's and for neat. anybody who hasn't played, who likes those types of games, that hasn't played hasn't played Caves of the Unwashed, you should try it out. It's actually very good. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I, it's impossible. It's too hard. I wrote it, um, and what I did was I, um, I took the basic Dungeons and Dragons rules in terms of the two hit tables and armor class and all of that stuff, and I integrated into it. And it never really occurred to me that basic Dungeons and Dragons is intending for you to have a party of characters, not just one guy um walking through a maze and so one guy walking through a maze you almost never hit a monster and it almost always hits you and uh it's just really difficult to 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 play without cheating so i have spent a lot of hours play testing and kind of tuning my dungeon crawl game to make sure it's not uh, impossible neat does it have cheats and stuff <laughs> it, it it doesn't but you know it's not terribly difficult to cheat uh, if you know that it's all written in basic with assembly language co uh, with assembly language subroutines so you can just hit break and then like change your hp equals 5000 uh, and then type p mode 4. Dot, you know 4 comma 1 screen 1 comma 1 colon continue, continue press enter <laughs> you've got 4000 hit points so it's uh, it is possible to cheat i don't recommend it but it is possible to cheat cheaters never win and winners never cheat that's right. <laughs> a level two Stevie game. <laughs> Billy Mitchell. That's cool. Um, Michael Brandt, just to change, just to answer an earlier question in the live chat. So Michael Brandt was asking who made that Xbox um, gamepad. Uh, Michael, the company is called Hori, H-O-R-I, and I just did a Amazon search for it. So it is not. It is. It's. It's licensed by xbox it's you know it's an officially licensed product but it's not a microsoft brand product now steve um, have you tried the new controller yet or did you just get it i did i did i played a little bit of uh i played a little bit of miss Pac-Man, which was better and then i played I, I got the sega genesis collection for the xbox and i was playing on that and that plays pretty good um the the um what i have to mess with is, is there's a lot of features on this controller too so you can uh you can remap all the keys to be whatever you want and so that's what i'm going to have to play around with is to remap some of the keys to make them match um what the game wants so but the, uh, the so the i have to fiddle with getting the buttons how i want them but the the d-pad the four directional d-pad is perfect so cool. which is exactly what i was I, looking I for i bought this which is a bluetooth controller nice yeah raspberry pi yeah that looks good uh stevie have you tried the controller on your pc yet or i have not but it's it's usb and it's got a switch so i can switch it between xbox one and pc mode so it'll it'll okay good it'll, it'll play on both so yeah oh uh, hey steve i wanted to mention one more thing i was actually making really good progress on my game and and was really cranking out a bunch of levels and then i won a um uh, an auction on ebay for this game right here <laughs> ah, Shanghai, huh? And, and then productivity I, uh, went down. I made the mistake of plugging it in and playing it, and I I lost about five days of uh, productivity <laughs> for this game right here, Rick. <laughs> Have you found the well, hidden colors? Rick, Rick did not know it, but back at Tandy, uh, when they're testing out for the um, their PC and for the uh, Coco, if anybody was caught playing the game that wasn't a tester, they would be fired. <laughs> Because they had noticed a loss of productivity Absolutely. once the game started being passed around. It's addictive, for mm -hmm. sure. 
So, Paul, have you found the hidden color set that Rick snuck? I in? did it, and I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a there's a hidden color set. Something not that's not RGB and and yep. uh, CMP. It's it's the color set that Rick originally wanted in the game, kind of an ivory yellowish one, and it's huh. you got to move the cursor, the mouse cursor, to a certain specific point to find it. Oh, how uh, very Ready Player One. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's an Easter egg. And actually, yeah. very much the it, holidays. It's it's a uh, a one pixel by one pixel spot that you have to hit with the cursor, and it's sort of on the upper left of the screen, and it's like out in space. It's not uh, near any text or anything. So, uh, Marty Goodman used to have detailed instructions he would give people on exactly how to find it, uh, but I don't really remember other than that's the general area where it is. I, I, see, I, I see a video coming up for Stevie. Or this, uh, this feels a little bit like a snipe hunt for the new guy. Is this, yeah, uh, yeah. Is this real? Yes, this is real. <laughs> oh, no, it's real. Okay. Uh, Bill Noble, when was, he was disassembling it for OS 9, when we ported it over to OS 9, found this other alternate palette set in the in the code and also this one little trigger spot, and we fiddled with it, and we're running it. Oh, there's a new color set in here. What is this? Oh, it's very and real. I made it. I made it very hard to find. Uh, because I was definitely afraid that Tandy was going to get upset. So, but uh, all during testing, that was the color set we used during testing. And that's the color set that they told me that they wanted. And the idea of the yellow fringe around the sides of the tiles was it was supposed to look like uh, the yellowing of the actual ivory, you know, real life ivory tiles. They would get yellowed on the, on the, on the sides there where, you know, finger oil had besmudged it. Uh, and I really liked that. that. That was how it was all during development and all during testing. And then at the very, very last moment, they said, oh, we don't want that. We want this different color set. And I said, okay. And uh, I actually have the, uh, the original source for that one. And I remember in the, for the colors that they had me change away from the yellow, uh, what was the comment on? It was something like, Amazing, which was sort of my passive-aggressive comment on it. <laughs> well, I guess they didn't want people to think their computer monitors are getting dirty. Hey, Paul, did you uh, have uh, the rainbow when you were, you know, first into the Coco? I did. You know, I got, when I bought my Coco 2, it had, I think the, like the, I think it was the Christmas edition. It was the 1983 Christmas edition. I remember it. It was the green cover with like the, the, the bow, the bow on it. Yeah. December and, 84, uh, December 84, December 84. So, and I remember thinking and that's amazing. And in fact, um, I, it taught me how to program in basic by keying in listings and getting them wrong and going back and figuring out how to fix it. So that, uh, uh, yes, I did. That magazine was fantastic, and I and I uh, I subscribed to it religiously until oh eighty seven or so when I um, moved into the Tandy one thousand. Martin Goodman. Yes. Who have I the pleasure of speaking to? Oh my God! There's Rick. Oh my God! You haven't changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not one bit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. We've been trying to keep this kind of hush hush, but we've got him on the phone. Marty Goodman's with us. Hello, Marty. Good evening. Marty. 
Long time no see, Marty, since Tim and I visited you about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I guess it was. It it it, it could have been a while ago. Yes, indeed. I, I have uh, gained some pounds and lost some teeth. <laughs> Rick, it's been decades. Literally. It has. <laughs> yes. How long do you think it's been? 20, 25 years? Oh, God. I'm 35. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. I don't yes. either. Your beard is almost as gray as mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marty, it may be a long time, but your voice hasn't changed any. That's true. Especially funny, thi funny thing about Steve, it's been a dog's age as well. Yep. Really a dog's age. How are you? How have you, how have you been? Oh, hanging in, hanging in. Welcome to the club. Uh, as you can see, the color computer is definitely going through a, a resentence, you know, reversion, whatever. It's, it's been better. <laughs> Renaissance. Resurgence, yeah. yeah exactly. Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Stevie, did, take it away. How did you find us? Uh, Steve reached out to me through Tim. Tim Lindner. Lindner. Tim Lindner, yes. Yeah, so, oh, Tim okay. Lindner arranged the introduction. Uh, we've been uh, emailing a couple of phone calls, a couple of test calls. And we kind of wanted to spring this as a little bit of a surprise because we weren't sure if Marty was going to make it tonight. And um, But he's here, and I'm glad you can make it, Marty. Um, I, I've only spoken to Marty once, and it's very briefly, but I explained to him he's pretty infamous thanks to the rest of the <laughs> – since the rest of the company, you know. So. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's a great line in an Oscar Wilde play. Uh, I think it's from School for Scandal in, in which one of the – in which the protagonist is leaving a room full of nasty gossips, and as he exits, he says, I will leave my reputation behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, he needs to tell us about himself excuse me i'm sorry oh we're yeah so we're you want to play this is your life and tell yeah. us about your um you you know how you got started with the coco and what you've been up to lately well i, th I think steve bjork and rick would would are if they dig into their memories are familiar with the story of how i got into it but um i was working as uh, the paid doc at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. And one of my patients turned out to be a sort of home computer guru, um, wise fellow. And I asked, well, gee, I'm thinking of buying a home computer. And um, what should I get? And they said, oh, go, go to this guy's house. And I went to this uh, apartment in the Haight-Ashbury, and there was this guy there who had like every sort of home computer there. He had uh, S-100 bus machines and Commodores and Apples and, and um, I think, I think Apples. Maybe this may have been, yeah, that would still be in that day. And he was showing me ARPANET. I think this was even before there was an internet and, you know, ARPANET, the predecessor and he was of the internet. And he was logging onto that and showing me that and showing off all his equipment. And, and I say, okay, well, what should I get as a home computer? And way off in the corner, you can almost not see it, was this little Radio Shack color computer. And he said, get this one. And I said, well, why is that? <laughs> well, it has this amazing processor and really great color video. And it's, it's unlike anything else. You get this one. And I went out and bought it. And that's, that's, how, I, that's how I began to enter the world of the Coco. 
Do you remember who that was that you were talking to? Um, you know, I could find his name next time I chat with you because I know some people who know him. I, I'm, I'm at a loss now to remember the name. He, he was someone who had... He wasn't. It wasn't Captain Crunch. It was someone who knew Captain Crunch. It was someone. Who, it was someone who was of some notoriety at the time in in, in the world of co- computer hacking and computers. But I'm damned if I can. Was remember. it uh, Snap Crackle Pop or Tony the Tiger? No, no. I, I I I could retrieve the name. I have a friend who I'm sure, if I ask, could instantly tell me the name. And that was just I, a little breakfast serial humor there for you. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, 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 do you, do you I, folks know of the legendary Captain Crunch? Yeah. Phone yeah. hack hacker and all that. Mr. John Draper, yes. John Draper, indeed. It wasn't he, but it was it was someone connected with that circle. <laughs> Interestingly enough, sort of jumping ahead about 30 years, um, <laughs> I ended up crossing paths in a completely different context with another major figure from the world of computers. Um, I, some of you folks may be aware, or you may not be, that um, my avocation and passion the last 10 years pretty much has been making high quality digital archives of uh, periodicals, newspapers and magazines and some pamphlets of the socialist and communist left in English printed in the US in the period of 1912 to roughly 1972. In any case, I got started doing that because I was given access, extraordinary access, to original copies of rare old newspapers and magazines uh, from that world, important ones, centrally important ones that were available in very few collections and no one else would let me touch them. And the collection they were in was one that was amassed and funded by one Rod Holt. Um, Rod is not as famous as Wozniak or Jobs, but he was, as I understand it, quote unquote, the third man in the garage with the two of them. Uh, specifically, I believe his, his first major contribution to Apple, where he was, I think, the third or fourth person on the company payroll, was the design of the switching power supply for the Apple II, right. which... It's kind of prosaic, but it was very important in marketing the Apple and making it economical to sell and, and all that good stuff. Reduced the weight tremendously, too. Excuse me? It reduced the weight of the whole computer. Yes, it did. And and cost. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, for years after, I was still making linear power supplies because to this day, they're the only thing I really understand. <laughs> but the switchers have changed everything. So can uh, can people indulge me a little bit? I would like to show off for Marty what my uh, my evil underground lair. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So let's see. So here we have. Oh, I'm. That's my uh, uh, Raspberry Pi there that I'm doing some. Uh, I'm doing a display for somebody's store. I'm developing that right now. And over here is the Cocoa Pie. So that's a color computer development system on uh, uh, a Raspberry Pi. I have three Raspberry Pis in this room right now. Uh, here's my uh, color computer that has, uh, I'm running like a kiosk that runs all of my games. 
And right at the top, it says, would you like to play a game? Which I think <laughs> is a quote you'll... And this will please Marty. Uh, over here, I have my foray, a foray into uh, uh, hardware. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, uh, 300 uh, uh, full-color LEDs with WS2811 controllers in each one. Uh, and a Raspberry Pi uh, running all of that. And it, it even has like a, a very simple uh, uh, hardware uh, board that, uh, that's on top of that that just has a, a quad NOR gate that I use to shift. Uh, uh, the Raspberry Pi has a signal out of uh, uh, C volts, and the lights really want 5 volts. So I just use the quad NOR just to, to boost it up to 5 volts. So that's it. Uh, that's all I got. That's that's a neat scrolling thing. Where 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 did you acquire that? Uh, the the lights you can get them on uh, 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 Amazon. Uh, they're like uh, about fifteen to twenty bucks for each uh, uh, fifty uh, light strand, and uh, so the lights typically have uh, three inputs, which are you know ground uh, plus five volts and signal. And the signal is, uh, uh, it's like, uh, what is it? It's, it's 24 bits of color, you know, eight bits of R, eight bits of G and eight bits of, of uh, B for each bulb. And it's just a train of pulses and it's self-clocking. So the pulse is fat, it's wide in, in the timing for a one and it's skinny for a zero, and each bulb uh, eats uh, three bytes of color uh, for itself and then passes the rest of the pulses on down the line. And so by the time you get to the last bulb, it eats the last 24 bits and then it's all gone. So that's the, the 50,000 foot view. Cool. Did everybody I, take I, notes I, on that? There's gonna be a test later on. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I have two quick minor personal questions uh, steve are you are you still hanging out in southern california oh yeah i just got back from disneyland today <laughs> i guess that should have been my next question are you still an aficionado of disneyland <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah and my main day job this day is uh designing building uh controllers and other things for audio animatronics really you i, I must say you um you have retained an exceptionally youthful appearance. I don't feel it all that well, though. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's it's. Imp I I I I say this, of course, entirely as a compliment, and I'm I'm really impressed, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, I've got the gray. Trust me, the headphones kind of hide it. Only your hairdresser knows for sure. <laughs> and everybody else that looks at me. Okay. He, he's immortal. He's, yeah. uh, he's got that Reed Richards look going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of uh, famous celebrities, David Ladd has just joined us, too. Hey, David. Um, and, and also, uh, Marty, I'm Neil Blanchard, another Canadian who's from the Coco Crew podcast, he's watching us live. He says, Tell Marty I'd like to say hi and thank you for signing a copy of Marty's Nightmare for me. <laughs> oh, that was very, you're most welcome. I'm I'm touched. <laughs> I was going through my disc box here trying to find my copies of Graphicom, but I couldn't find them. 
and the closest I came was my copies of Festube. Ah, yes, I remember that. That, that. that was the heritage of my days in high school, learning how to optimize programming a Monrobot 11-2000 in 1964, which was this computer that my high school bought, and its main memory, its main system memory, consisted of a magnetic rotating drum with about, I think, 2K of 16-bit words. And I learned that the the head could access the drum once every third of a revolution. So I wrote machine code to optimize the speed at which it could grab hunks of memory off it. And learning to do that stood me in good stead uh, 15 years later when I was trying to write fast disk duplication programs. Yeah, when, when I worked at both Spectrum and Zebra, I used FastDupe to make our commercial disks. Cool. <laughs> if I remember correctly, FastDupe would... I'm trying to remember. I think it worked on. It, it wouldn't do a full di disc. No, it did, it did a track at a time. It would go right down the row of drives, take uh -huh. the track from drive zero, and yeah. then one, two, three, one, two, uh -huh. three, right, three, and would bang out three copies in one shot, or as many drives as you had. And and of course, I was also indebted to Fred Sisson of Xenosoft, who is the world master of disc format and structure and architecture, who tutored me in some of the. <laughs> I don't. I, he's not. Actually, he was briefly in the Coco world. In fact, I met him at a Coco meeting locally. But he lived mostly in the PC world. I'm just wondering what I did with my copies of Graphicom. In a box somewhere is the story of my life. If need be, <laughs> I may be able to get you one. Although I've I've gotten rid of most of my color computer stuff, but I think I still have a Graphicom around here. No, it's probably in the box with my Graphicom foot pedal. Well, I, I and I'm still in touch with one of the two co-authors of Graphicon, Mike Kahn. Oh. Um, I was just talking to him this morning, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I'll need to get um, him on here. <laughs> Graphicon was a whole different paradigm of drawing software. It was nothing like Color Max, Coco Max, any of that. It was a whole different paradigm. Kind of like full screen, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mike would be pleased to hear you say that. He he they they too saw it as something as something unique understandably and i'm delighted to hear others are seeing it that way oh well, yeah. they stayed away from apple <laughs> well, hey Mar allowed, marty yes artists to do some nice work with the stamps and all you could do with it and mm -hmm. how many other drawing programs had had a graphic xor eh <laughs> not many i don't think hey marty yes um do you remember way back in the day my uh, game Bomb Threat? I, I, the name I recall, I don't, I, I'm having trouble remembering the game itself, but I certainly remember, remember the name. Right. I was wondering, you know, it's like I gave that, copies of that game to very few people, uh, and I'm, I was kind of wondering if you were one of them, because the original game uh, I lost the disc to, and so I actually oh, had to recreate it from scratch. Um, if the, if you gave me a copy and if I retained it, which I probably did, I never, I pretty much retained everything. Um, it's likely in Tim Lindner's hand as at this time. And I can ask him about hmm. that. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Let me, let me show you my, uh, what, what I made of it. Okay. So, oh, wait, I gotta turn this around here. Yeah, there's the game. And we, we the only thing that we had, I couldn't find the disc, 
but we had a gameplay video that, mm. that I did on, on, on tape, on videotape. So from that gameplay video, I very oh carefully <laughs> reproduced it from scratch. That's that's what we call a serious reverse engineer. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's even been produced on cartridge too. So. And if you bought if you bought the cartridge, it came with a bug. <laughs> yeah, it did. Rick did not have it thoroughly uh, banged on by a bunch of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, should have. He should have told. Turned it over to Peter and Michael. They would have beaten it to death. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Well, somebody uh, did. It was Grant. I don't remember who. Grant Lady. Oh, it was Grant. Grant, Grant Lady, Lady found the right. kill screen. Or as I call him, uh, Grant Grant Brickley. Uh, <laughs> because I called him that because the bug was, uh, as you let me let me quit this so you don't have to listen to the game anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, as you play as you played it, it got more and more difficult as you went on, but there was uh, some logic for. Once you got to a certain level, it's like, okay, don't make it any more difficult. It, and it would make it difficult by, it would add more blocks for you to clear. And, uh, but the, the logic was faulty. So it never limited, you know, throwing on more blocks. So at some point, you'd get to the point where the entire screen was full of blocks. And then, you know, the, after that, it would try to put one more block on Ooh. past that, and it would get caught in a loop and it died. <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> so Grant oh, finally got to a high enough level that he ran across that and took a screenshot and showed it to me, and I said, "Oh my, oh my, so, oh my, yes." But all good, all good classic retro games have that kill screen. So the Pac-Man <laughs> and Miss Pac-Man have a kill screen. Donkey Kong Jr. has a kill screen. Right. So you're in good company. <laughs> so so back to Marty's early days. Yes. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you, Marty, because you told me a little bit of your history when, when Tim and I, when you took us out for supper that one night. Thank you again for that. Um, but you had mentioned, like, yeah, thanks. Um, you had mentioned at that time that uh, you're originally from the East Coast. Yes, uh, then, I was. I, I was bred, born, and raised for 16 years in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah and then you you went out to the west coast and then you became i think an anesthesiologist is that correct yes i did i practiced anesthesia for a while i also practiced some general medicine i kind of toddled away from medicine with some element of of bitterness and disgust um i there were there probably would have been more productive ways of handling that but to this day i i'm pretty appalled by the the way medical care is, 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 is administered and provided in the, in this country. Um, the, the fact that it's not available to all the fact that it's a for-profit system. Um, I mean, even I, I may be a leftist, a socialist, whatever, but even in a large number of capitalist countries, medicine is available to all, but not in this one. <laughs> and, um, I was really appalled. I, 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 you know, I just didn't like, the notion of people dying in the streets for want of medical care and, and people being financially ruined by that. And there were other ways to react to that than walk away that would have been more productive. But at the time I was a bit hot headed. <laughs> um, no, you never, <laughs> never. <laughs> I think your reputation um, precedes you. <laughs> um, but, um, 
I'd always I'd always love tinkering with electronics. I I'd been playing around with with circuits and soldering things up from from when I was I don't know six seven eight years old. Maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, but that's the way I, I like to remember it, and I think I remember it. But what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that that was my question because you'd mentioned that you you did programming on you know the drum based systems back in in sixty four in high school, and I was wondering why did you not stick with that as a vocation since you already had an aptitude for it, obviously, and then you actually ended up doing it in the 80s and 90s. I guess at that time, it never occurred to me that that would be a a vocation or a profession or whatever. Um, It was just something that held my fascination. And um, uh, my the the track that I was on at the time was that of biology, science. Initially, I thought I would be some sort of an academic scientist. And then later, I candidly just decided that I, 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 I began to meet really, really bright people in the sciences. I, I, I was went to Harvard for undergraduate. And before that, I was going on Saturdays to Columbia Science Honors Program. And that was where I realized that you know, while while I was okay, I had an okay mind and all that. It couldn't compare to that of some some of the folks I met at at Columbia and some of the folks I met at Harvard. So I figured it, that I would probably be better off studying medicine and doing something simple and practical. Although, I guess all along and to this day, I, I if I think of myself as, as having an identity, it's it's. Before anything else, and a lot of my identity is political, leftist, et cetera, et cetera. But before anything else, I'd say my identity is that of a scientist, one who believes in evidence-based science, scientific method, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I guess I could I could have slipped into the sciences. I I know what can you say? Uh, was it a, a Jewish cultural thing? The Jews aren't supposed to be engineers. I I don't know. I I, I, I looking back, I don't I, I don't think my mind went that way. But some people claim that's an aspect of the culture. Uh, I, I'm not really sure, quite quite frankly. Uh, well, one thing I've always found, Marty, is that there'd be something that would come along in your life that would be a little bit on the technical side or or science side or whatever but you would do your studies and you would take to it and lo and behold you'd be one of the experts in that area well i i think one of the one of the reasons is i would be perceived as such with some degree of validity because one one i guess ability i think i had was a, an ability to teach and communicate um mm-hmm. And often I would relay stuff that I'd learned from you, from Rick, from from Peter, from Michael, and and I would put that forward. I would I would never claim that I was the one, the only one to think of it, but it would be it would be associated with me because I was the one who was, I don't know, or, you know, promoting it. I was the one who was dramatizing it, something like that. Does, does that make any sense to you, Steve? Oh yeah, definitely. You were one to you know somebody would come up. So, look, remember WeFacts, right? You know, right. you 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 know. You had somebody that developed it, but you went out there. I wouldn't say marketed, but you went through and promoted it, Pub- publicized it, and and even yeah. promoted. Yeah, I'll accept yeah. the word promoted. It was a, that. Now, my relationship with Peter and Michael was very curious. Michael is a, a brilliant and 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 somewhat strange fellow uh, in in many ways, <laughs> in, including the fact that he, while he's 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 a wonderful, sweet, kind, generous person, um, who I love very dearly. He is a bit 
don't know what you want to say, Autoid or Ausberger-like, he sometimes struggles when it comes to relating to, to other folks. And Peter, while not Peter, while he, he, he I wouldn't I wouldn't say Peter was was autistic in any way or Ausberger's, but he had his his own reasons for shunning the limelight. And so I basically became the public face of those two. And WeFax was, was one of their creations. Yeah, another creation from them that you went through and promoted uh, is basically how we met. That was, um, <laughs> Steve, Steve was reminding me of that the other day. <laughs> the funny thing is that I think your renditions of the story, I, I probably would mostly agree with i think i think our recollections of that dramatic as they are are surprisingly similar <laughs> mm. I, what i definitely remember there was a moment when i was actually concerned that that i might become the victim of physical violence <laughs> yeah i made a joke well, I, about it. I, 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 think, have to... I think you were manipulating that to some extent but if that's what you were doing you did it superbly well I made a joke about I was so <laughs> mad I was going to send the Luigi brothers up there and with a I remember those your words. I remember those yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's like, here's the thing. I've been working really hard to get Zaxxon out and we just got it out. And here's this great West Coast computer fair. The company's got a booth there and everything else. And I get a phone call on opening day because I'm still nice. back taking care of things <laughs> about, yep. Yep. Well, this guy walked up and he's he stuck a stack of papers down in our booth that he wanted us to hand out to everybody. And it was how to make to break the copy protection <laughs> on Zaxxon so you could make your own backup copies because I, everybody I, has I, I the right to have backup part of it. And and that must have been very early in for want of a better name, my cracking career, because I got much less flagrant about that later on. Well, see, you're a man of many passions, and your passion was if somebody paid money for the software, they should have the right to back up the software. And and I, I, to this day, I'll stand by that. But I, I certainly had, certainly to this day, I certainly don't see it as right to cause to cause you harm in in making a living <laughs> writing software. <laughs> Yeah, but it's so funny because I'm on this phone call and he's reading, well, this crack, well, he's trying, he's telling me each line that you have on that sheet of paper. And will this crack it? Will this crack it? Will this crack? I'm going to, uh -oh. I don't know. I don't know. You so the next thing it. I know, within about three hours, I'm a jet up to San Francisco. And I kept hearing stories about every time I walked into a room, Marty was running out the other door. <laughs> I, I I don't recall that part. Of it. You may be exaggerating a little there. Yeah, it could be, but yeah, you know, still maybe. it was I, I, but, I, one way or another. <laughs> but we still managed to become friends, and that's the way Marty is. Marty did not have malice in his heart. He had a political point of view that he was very strong about, and I I can appreciate that. Well, it was. It, I, I think I had a certain ideology that had many, many good points, but I, I turned it into early on. I, okay, I had to say this. The, the, there's no one so, so righteous as the recently converted. And when you first get an idea, you, 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 you just go with it and, and blow it up and, and blow it in directions where it may not be appropriate. And I suspect that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you did calm down a little bit from that. You there, you didn't go the next day and put another stack of papers on. Soft <laughs> booth, you know. I I do remember what I do remember clearly, going back down all the years, 
was the element of fear as 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 either either as you were approaching or as we were talking i forget which but there was a genuine element of fear that part of your story to the if you if that's what you tell i will confirm that <laughs> yeah well i was i was a little upset piss might be a better word but i <laughs> calm down so but yeah it's just um if we go through everything, there's definitely history. Obviously, I don't hold animosity to you. I made a video game and had you star in it. What kind I of that? Yeah, Jason's <laughs> playing that, it right now. That, that was that was probably to this day one of the greatest honors I ever received from anyone. No, no shit, Charles. Really, <laughs> that was that was extraordinary of you to do that. Well, you know, it's just like I'd watch you at a convention and people would come up and they'd be asking you questions, asking questions, and you'd be telling them, no, i got to get over because I'm doing speaking right now. I have to be there. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, I remember one time, I think there was uh, somebody from the Rainbow Fest group that was actually trying to drag you into the hall, because, but again, all these people were trying to stop you and ask you questions. I'm going, right. there's a video game in this. But, there but, really way, is just, a video game. Just getting back to Marty's Nightmare, you not only wrote this game, but it wasn't, at least to my perception, I don't know how you see it yourself, but it wasn't like, you know, a trashy little stupid thing that you could put a name on. It actually wasn't a bad game. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was using uh, hardware scrolling on the Coco 3. It had digital samples in the game. Yeah, it was. Um... No, it was It was a for real game. It, 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 yeah. it, was, it wasn't just sort of, okay, this is going to look like a game or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always wanted to do kind of a Pac-Man style game, but, uh, you know, and you had to collect the things in there. And if you kind of messed up, you had to go find Marty and get him to answer your question. <laughs> well, it was, it was extra. I, I will thank you again for that kindness. It is one of the greatest honors. Certainly is one of the greatest honors I ever received. <laughs> At any yeah. Marty or anything. <laughs> yeah, Rick. Um, I have a very old story. Uh, involving you that I've told before, but that we're in a really public forum, so I'll have to phrase this really coyly. But is, uh, is this the one about the San Francisco airport? Oh, that was delightful. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> no. Uh, now closing yeah, level four. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, that story and one other I wrote <laughs> up for for Delphi. Uh, under the titles of Adventures with Marty Goodman, Part 1 and 2. And it would be wonderful if somebody could find that again. But that's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about a conversation we had uh, about Bob Rosen, in which you paid me probably the nicest compliment I've ever had. And, let, and here's where I start to talk very coyly. Okay, Bob Rosen is an interesting guy. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. And... There are people that don't like Bob Rosen for various reasons, <laughs> uh, which I won't get into. But at one point, uh, I was visiting you, and you were telling me about some recent events in, in Bob Rosen's life where he had made some poor life decisions, and they resulted in consequences that uh, you know put him in kind of a bad spot. He, his life was perhaps in some danger. And yes. so he was kind of on the on the down low, and uh, and so I, I replied, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that." And you said, "You know, I don't. I think you're the only person on the earth 
that, <laughs> that would say that and, and 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 that I could take at face value. <laughs> I vaguely remember that interaction. By the way, while you're here, and now that I have a chance to address you for the first time in so many years, Rick. Yes, sir. Um, um, there's a there's a, a turn of phrase you used back then. I think it was in the immediate aftermath of our adventure in the San Francisco airport, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a, a little while after that, I called you and said, hey, Rick, you know, how'd you like to get together? And your particular turn of phrase in response to that, I, I have adopted and I've used it with a minor modifications for, for many decades since then, because I thought it was... I can't wait to hear this. Um, <laughs> gee, Marty, I'd really, really like to, but I'm sorry that day I've just got to floss my cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that phrase stuck with me and I began to adopt it. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, it's, it's not quite right. And the reason I thought about that was because years later, I brought a cat into my life, Mr. Number Six. I lived with him for 17 years. He was just a marvelous being, a, a, just a thoroughly fine, wonderful creature to, to share a life with. Um, but as he aged, he had dental problems, and I brought him to the vet. And one, you know, one by one, his 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 canines, his his incisors, his fangs had to be removed because of gum disease. And at one point, I think after the second one was removed, the vet said to me, "You know what you what you can do to try to prevent this from getting worse is you can floss him." And, <laughs> and a true story. And. And I, I, I he, although he was very tolerant of many manipulations that I had to do on him, like lance abscesses on him, I, I didn't think I could get him to sit still for flossing. But in any case, I did realize that actually flossing a cat was a real thing. So I took the liberty of changing your your touch phrase there to, gee, I'm really sorry, but I've got to floss my parakeet that day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is much safer because birds don't have teeth. <laughs> now, I don't recall using that phrase. My when I say that sort of a thing, I what I usually say is I I think I need to I think I'm going to be uh, feeding my goldfish that day. Uh -huh. but, I could, but I could have said that. No, you, you, I'm I'm reasonably certain you said that at that time. And if you didn't, it's an absolutely fixed confabulation of mine. <laughs> hey, we just got joined by our Australian. Friend, hey, Nicky. Nick, Nick Marinke, Hi, everyone. Yeah, hey, sorry, Nick. I'm late. Now, Marty, I want to take it back. Uh, like Stephen, a few others mentioned, you were really good at doing the education thing, like being able to take other people's ideas and explain them, which is something you did in your regular column on the Rainbow too. How how did that come about? Did Rainbow approach you? Did somebody else speak on your behalf, or how did, how did that whole column come out? I'm not a hundred percent sure how I wound up writing a, a semi-regular hardware feature in Rainbow. I'm, I, I would imagine at some point or another, I was invited to do so. A decision was made either by Jim Reed or Lonnie Falk that, that they wanted such a thing, but it would be based on, I think I started submitting individual hardware articles and I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I would imagine that they approached me and said, hey, you know, how would you like to, you know, do a regular hardware column? 
and I'm sure I'm sure I left at the chance. I, I was delighted to to have an opportunity to 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 do that. Um, uh, that did was they, a lot of fun. Did I, they I, pay I, you? Excuse me. Did they pay you well? Um, you know, it, it wasn't no no one made a lot of money writing for Rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was paid. It wasn't it wasn't done for free. I, I forget the exact sums. They weren't very large. They, they were modest, um, and 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 it was more the joy of doing it. And did you have mm -hmm. a, out of out of the various little hardware and and even some software projects that you did there? Did you have a few that stick out in your head as being favorites of yours that you're really proud of? Or, um, oddly enough, the one I remember best and liked best was one of the the more dead simple ones. Well, um, I I I I, end, I ended up distributing a, a very nice monochrome monitor driver for the Coco probably made a, probably ended up selling about a thousand of them through various dealers and it gave a particularly nice clean professional looking display and I was very very proud of that so that 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 tiny little project I mean, we're talking about two transistors and a couple of wires that you solder to the right places and a connector and that kind of thing um i, I always liked that little one i i don't know you may recall that i i, I for a while was kind of mr coco rgb cable guy yeah uh, um and um you had a Sony something or other, I think, that was one of your favorites, wasn't it? KVC. Or uh, one of the one of the monitors I supported was the Sony. I forget his number, but it was a, it was it was available in various sizes. Although I think thirteen inch was the more common size. I think it was the KVR thirteen eleven. That's right, and it was they actually made that monitor. I think in in three different sizes, but the thir the thirteen inch was I think by far the most common that people had. Um, two, at least two sizes, maybe three, and that had a weird-ass connector on it. it. It's its connector for RGB was a, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was a 30 a dual row 17-pin connector, or it, it was a very odd connector, and it had one one minor headache. The, the Sony wanted composite video, and the Coco put out separate, excuse me, composite sync, and the Coco put out separate horizontal and vertical sync, so you, you had to add a chip to it. I think I think it was using a 74 LSO2 to combine the sync signals, and, and therefore you had to power it, so you had to find 5 volts to power the thing, and so that became an issue in making the darn cable work. Um, I mean, either you had to have an external 5-volt supply or you had to put a jumper wire inside your monitor to, to put 5 volts on the, on the connector or something. Hey, Marty, do you, um, are you aware of all the different uh, solutions there are now for uh, the Coco? Steve, interestingly enough, Steve was, was spent about 15 minutes in our chat um, enlightening me about s some of the really elaborate stuff that's being done to uh, basically make uh, the the old 15.75 or whatever his number was um, horizontal analog RGB feed into the VGA monitors that that there there someone now commercially makes uh, basically a black box that does that conversion as I understand it. Yeah, it's the RGB to SCART and then the SCART to HDMI. Uh, there's a number one. There, there is one that goes to VGA too. But yeah, there's the there, there's a there's there's so many things. I mean, we could spend the next four hours catching you up on all the new <laughs> Coco contraptions. There's there's so much stuff going on right now. It's really yeah. cool. Well, one, one of the best things you one, said one, that 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Mario, one of the best things that's selling out there for the Coco is a cartridge you plug in that emulates the floppy disk drive connecting to an SD card. Th that that is, is uh, seems to me like one of one yep. of the first things you'd want to develop if you're bringing the cocoa into the modern age. Yeah, because they have what is it, five hundred, seven hundred of these things have been sold. Seven hundred plus sold. Yeah, of these things been sold. So, yeah, Jason's holding it up on yeah. the monitor there. Literally oh. the best thing I've ever bought for my cocoa. It, it's it seems like an extraordinarily sensible product to devise. I mean, it absolutely positively emulates the Western Digital floppy disk controller. So all you have to do is any software pretty much can talk to the SD card as if it was a floppy disk. Yeah, it even does time-protected disks too. Like if you if you get a cat weasel or one of the other boards that allows you to physically copy a floppy, regardless of copy protection schemes, it'll actually run those properly. Well, it, well, that's what actually I was going to ask about that. Some of the copy protection schemes used unusual uh, track formats on the floppy. Um, I, I would think that that thing would have a hard time with that. No, nope, no, it runs no. perfectly fine. Yeah. Really? So, no, we're going to. I mean, it's right down to the hardware level. So yeah. So it, it was it 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 emulated not just the data. But at the level of the the uh, the, he the headers for the, the tracks yeah. and the sectors and all. Oh, oh, really? Think by that's an extraordinary emulation. There's the old really. That's the thing I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's an extraordinary level of emulation. Some yeah. somebody was, oh, really? was really doing their homework on that thing. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, the the community has definitely moved along. Um, I mean, Richard's on the phone call. He makes a lot of good stuff. He's got a two meg, uh, what he calls boomerang board for your Coco Three. It's a very yeah. tiny. It's it's uh, it's an SRAM uh, video or not video uh, RAM. It is the conventional DRAM. Just like oh, this. So so it won't tiny. run. It won't run broiling hot. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, your 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 Coco Power Supply never had it so nice. <laughs> well, that, that was got an eight meg board, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I, I, it was either you or someone else with who had substantially greater hardware knowledge than I was explaining to me that there was some something that wasn't done quite right with the timing of the dynamic RAM that made the Coca RAM, particularly the the uh, 512K board, tend to run on the toasty side and um or at least most of the boards did um that they, they they did something that like it wasn't disastrous but it wasn't quite right and it resulted in the darn ram running a bit on the toast toasty side does, does, does that does that sound at all familiar to any of you folks out there or? Yeah, it was probably the uh tandy mounted their their uh dram underside the board itself Hmm. So it there wasn't really good ventilation, so yeah, hmm. it would tend to heat up. But yeah, that was a very poor design. Um, before we go any further, Richard, you you really should introduce yourself and what you used to do to Marty. I think he would find it fascinating. What did I do to Marty? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it was the one time we had a run in it at in Delphi, but you, you know yeah. that was long ago. But no, no, what uh, I meant, I what think... you used to do at Tandy. Oh yeah, I used to work at uh, uh, Tandy Computer Assembly, but I also worked at Radio Shack. I was a re uh, repair manager and uh, technician. Ah, 
Well, I, I had an inn at Tandy in my early days of the cocoa. There was a local technician. Let's see, how much of this story should I reveal? Ah, I, I, think, this, I think the statute of limitations has expired on, on this. Um, there was a technician locally who I got to know and got to be friendly with. Um, I, I think I initially ingratiated myself to him when he would i had an eprom programmer and he would come over and clone the eprom of the early uh portable uh cell phones so you recall the ones that were like bricks with a handle on them and, mm -hmm. and a handset and in those days um the vsn was in a socketed eprom so so he he would he would run a side business making duplicated phones for people <laughs> and he would come to me to to burn extra 27 128s for the darn things and so in return he would keep me abreast of all the 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 service updates on the cocoa and and be a wonderful you know source of, of of obscure parts if i needed them and i think one day he came by with a special present a huge roll of those um oh, what's the word for it those stickers you know that's that says you know do not break the seal oh, your warranty is you know <laughs> Gave me a huge roll of official Tandy stickers so that when I worked on people's cocos, I could slap them on the hole when I was done and they could feel better about it. <laughs> okay, Marty? Yes. Okay, there's two, there's a number of phrases that will always be wedded to you in my mind. Ah. I just want to want to remind you of them so that you can talk about them. Uh, number one is, is Howard Cosell. Yes. That you, that's the, from Jim Reed. It was Jim Reed who came up with yes, that. Yes, yes. And the other one is, and Rainbow, yeah, the Howard Cosell of the Cocoa World. Yes. And, and you and, know, m m many many a person might have might have taken that in an ill fashion. I, no. Not only I, but I think just about every one of my friends, when I told them that I had been called that, they said, wow, that's a really great compliment. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other one, the other phrase that I think of is, Cretinous chimpanzees. Yes, I haven't. I haven't heard or used that one in ages, or at least not. Well, in I believe time. that. But I, I guess I sprinkle it into my conversation once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an irresistible phrase. It's politically incorrect. It's making fun of someone with a medical, medic, medically based disability. But what can we say? <laughs> Does some of that have to do with uh, articles you wrote over the years, or no? Well, the word, the phrase "cretinous chimpanzee," I while it was, it's generally a you know a, a deprecatory negative phrase of that is a, a dim assessment of someone's intellect or abilities. Um, in the days of the cocoa, it, it became largely associated with tandy people. <laughs> from from <laughs> me, I, I hate to say, but I, I think that's what you folks remember and. And that came to a head one day at, I think it was at a rainbow fest. I'm pretty sure it was a rainbow. Must have been. Couldn't have been anything else. And these three folks in suits came gently marching up to me and said, Hi, Marty. We're the Cretanous Chimpanzee. <laughs> Which impressed me very much that those Tandy execs had a fine sense of humor. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really got to give them credit uh, for, for that. I'm just going well, to ask you. You have to them. give Marty credit too, because he knows how to stir the pot but keep everybody happy. 
Oh. Hardy, did you know? As, uh, as do you, Steve. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That could, words never, no, no, no. Those words are not true. Trust me. I stir the pot plenty of times, and there's people that get pretty pissed. <laughs> yes, but you, you, you know how to be a showman, too. As a matter of fact, you did it professionally. That's true. I used to spend time on the stage doing magic. You, you still do magic. Uh, not as well as I used to. I, matter of fact, prefer not to do magic anymore because it's more, I'm doing, as I'm doing the trick, I'm being more educational than entertaining. Mm. I just don't more, have more, the skills more I used to. More of Houdini and the amazing Randy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I've, I've very seldom gone to performances of by illusionists, but this last, I, I, I'm now bi-coastal. I live half the year in New York, half the year on the West Coast. And this has basically been since the death of my parents in, in 1998 and 9. I, they, they gave me their apartment in New York and I ended up taking it over and, and now I occupy it half of the year. Um, and um, this last time I was in New York, I was just speaking of magic or illusion. Um, I went to one largish performance, but then I went to this. It was an extraordinary um, performance. It was at a magic shop. A, a for real, you know, illusionist shop in, in New York. And we're talking about eh, maybe a dozen people in as audience, maybe 12 to 16. We're talking about a small shop. Everyone is, is around a table. You're no more than somewhere between two and four feet from the illusionist. And he's pulling off these in, incredible illusions and you know there's there's no way there's no there's no tv that can be cut you're not you're not 20 30 feet from him you're literally a foot or two and he's he's pulling it off i couldn't figure out how he was doing it in, at such close range it, it was an extraordinary experience steve's the guy that does that here for us aha <laughs> this, this guy this, this guy was concentrating he did some tricks that were other than some illusions that were other than cards, but his, but he, he, he focused on card based illusions and man, they were extraordinary. They, they had my jaw dropping. I was all ready to, to like see through him and da, 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 da. And, you know, I thought I was pretty observant and da, da, da. No way. I mean, this, this man knew his stuff and he, he put on a, an absolutely stunning show. A true artist can do close-up magic which is what he was doing to the point that it is magic it is and it's not an illusion anymore it is magic and it's telling a story in the process too oh, well, well needless they, to they say impressed. his presentation was you know his pattern his story his support story and stuff was 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 spot on and perfect and engaging and you know all, all of the things that someone who's who's really good at that art would mm -hmm. do well i'm sure you tipped him well <laughs> Um, it was it, it, the, the fee. The fee for being part of such a relatively small, exclusive audience was reasonably respectable. Although okay, it, it could have been bigger. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, it's a. It, some friend of mine had told me about this, and and yeah, I don't know. It's a little off topic of Coco, but I was thinking of you and your your, your work doing illusions. So I thought I'd mention it. <laughs> yeah, it's been years and years since I've been on a stage, so. <laughs> Well, one of the things that 
I've gotten into, I don't want this again is off topic from Coco. I'll just mention it. And one doesn't need to pursue it just like my politics. This is a, a related but different area. I've, uh, let's see, probably should just say it and then we can move on. Um, I've been somewhat into publicizing against quack medicine um not surprisingly being an md of course um but um i i've I've built up a library of of books about evidence-based medicine and 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 things that aren't and i've been very you you know you recall how i was vocal in the world of the cocoa well i've been vocal in in that arena as well and then the other thing and this will probably provoke some strong negative reactions, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention it because I'm proud of it, but we don't need to talk about it <laughs> any more than that. But I've, over the years, based on what at least I understand of simply the facts, the science, the, uh, and the medicine uh, that underlies this, I have become a, a very um, active and enthusiastic pro-nuclear advocate. And at the same time, I've become, uh, I've attempted to educate people against what, what I understand, and many of you folks may not, and may differ strongly with me on this, but what I understand is the fraud and scam of solar, wind, and other so-called renewable powers. So that's been another aspect of my life. Um, some folks find this interesting because they associate that position in science or in energy policy with people on the right politically, but I'm on the left. So what mm -hmm. the heck? <laughs> well, a lot of libertarians are also in, uh, of that position as well, though. It, it is, I, I, whatever you may think of, that, of, of those statements of mine, what I will say is that a position on energy policy, at least as I see it, is not a political thing. W one way or another, it's a matter of how, what you understand the science and the medicine to say, and science and medicine have their own rules. And uh, you know, political ideology should have nothing to do with that right or left. That's all. <laughs> so did you ever believe in biorhythm programs? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I've been skeptical, but I, I mean, th there's no doubt there are biorhythms. Okay. I mean, that, that I won't deny. I think the programs as, as marketed and presented for the most part, my understanding was they tended to read a lot more into them than, than, than either what was there or at least what, what you could do with them. But, um, yeah, I uh, guess that would answer your question. <laughs> Marty, I know you definitely agree that there's some sort of biorhythm going on in the body, but to figure it out from your birth date? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's nonsense. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you can reset your clock. The bottom line is your clock can get reset. Anybody who's ever done world travel and travels to different time zones and then lives in them knows that. For exactly purposes only. Yeah, that's what you right. have to do is monitor your rhythms, get them in there, and then you might be able to do some prediction. But uh, you still need some sort of um, um, double blind going on because you can affect your own uh, biorhythms by how you feel about what you're reading. And what you do with your sleep cycle and how much melatonin you swallow down and, and how much mm -hmm. and how much uh, antihistamine you take to knock yourself out and all those good things. To, to, to mention things that I've tried to, 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 to use to deal with jet lag and stuff. So does that mean you're not going to sign my Ouija board? <laughs> but of course I'll sign your Ouija board. 
Yeah, when you, um, when you I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you too far off topic, but uh, you, you you were sort of inviting me to say, "What have you been up to?" So I thought I'd at least <laughs> mention it. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's a doctor that uh, well, my wife and I actually follow uh, closely. He's the uh, uh, vaccination. Uh, he he's a pediatrician mm -hmm. that advocates uh, uh, immunization because you know there's a lot of anti-vax people out there. Yes. I, I, it sounds like your this physician and I would be very much in accord. I take I take it I take it he doesn't think much of the anti-vax position. No, I certainly no. don't. Yeah, he's <laughs> completely against it. You know, I, um, I I suspect he he and I would see eye to eye pre pretty completely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because my wife is a uh, nurse practitioner uh, in uh, neonatal care, so she sees a lot of this quite a bit. I, I take it she she shares um, what I would call a a. A, an evidence-based and science-based view of that sort of thing. No, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I mean, how to say it? It shouldn't be a matter of faith, and it shouldn't be a matter of belief, and it shouldn't be a matter of even of political ideology, left, right, center, or whatever. It should be a matter of what are the facts? What does the evidence show? Of right. course, people will argue about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, at this point, they can kind of see it with their own eyes because there's a measles outbreak right now in Portland because of people not vaccinated. And and that's an aspect of what I would call the, the uh, for want of a better word, it's a strong term, but I would say that's a criminal aspect of the anti-vax movement. The fact that it's it's resulted in, in, in children getting measles and worse yet, occasionally they'll even die of it and they'll certainly get very sick and can be harmed by it. Marty, I am high-functioning Asperger's or Asperger's. I don't never know the right way to say it. And I was vaccinated, but I couldn't connect one to the other. I have no clue why I'm the way I am, but I don't blame it on vaccination. It, it would be a terrible thing if you or anyone else had your personality altered or curtailed in some way by a medical manipulation and that sometimes happens in medicine we you know people do make mistakes uh bad things sometimes do happen and that would be a terrible thing but as far as the evidence in this case is overwhelming that whatever shaped you in that fashion it wasn't a vaccination um i, I wouldn't have known from my chat with you <laughs> but i don't believe that being Asperger, Asperger's at my level is a, such a bad thing. I mean, it kind of shaped my career in computers. Hmm. If not for that, I never would have gotten yes. computers. Yes. You know, it's there's there's a one of the things I are you, are you aware that recently they changed the DSM, the, the the holy bible of psychiatric and psychological diagnoses, and they either attempted or they actually did eliminate Asperger's. And now it's, it's all autism. It's autism spectrum. Right. And mm -hmm. to this yeah. day, I regard that as a very poor decision on their part. Never mind the fact that no doubt Asperger's and, and autism are part of some large spectrum. I, 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 I see no reason to question that. But the fact of the matter is that when, when we look at reality, when we look at anything, medicine, love, science, art, anything, um, there's a point where a quantitative change becomes qualitative. And the difference between 
Asperger's or very mild autism and severe life crippling autism is qualitative. It's overwhelming. And I think that it's appropriate there be a different word for it. Never mind the fact it's part of the same spectrum. I don't think it should be called the same thing. So I, 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 I was very disapproving of that, of that change in the DSM. Talk, talk about going far afield from Coco's discussion. <laughs> but um, I, I, don't know, I don't know whether you, know, you folks either care or whether you'd agree or not agree, but that, that was something I remember when they did that. C considering that a number of those people who are close to me and near and dear to me would one way or another, I guess, be called in, in some one way ex to one extent Asperger's. I was upset when they did that. I, I, I didn't like that. Uh, I, I don't know how you folks would feel about it, but that's that was my reaction. It doesn't to. bother me in the least. All right. <laughs> that's interesting to hear. Cool. <laughs> I also want right. to mention, too, guys, concerning going off topic, it, it's it's not a problem when we're interviewing somebody, we're interviewing them as a person. Yeah. And a cocoa mm -hmm. is part of your life, but it's not your whole life. So mm -hmm. there's no problem going off on you know what else you're doing, what else you believe, what else, you know. I didn't want to monopolize it though anyway. Oh, but. But it's your interview. It's an interview hey guys. Yeah, Rick. Uh, my battery's about to run out. So if I disappear, that's where I went. Okay. But, uh, Marty, I, I definitely you know want to catch up with you on, on quite a number of things. So what, what part of the world are you in these days, Rick? I, I'm in uh, I'm one of the frozen chosen up in uh, snowy Minnesota. Aha. Uh -huh. what, what part of Minnesota? uh a little bit south of the twin cities uh-huh uh-huh okay so 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 you're not going to drop by next weekend i take mm, it unfortunately no no <laughs> I, i'll be flossing my parakeet that week yeah. <laughs> yes well i have fond memories of rodent park <laughs> yes <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh marty can i pass your uh, phone number on to rick in a, in a private chat so of course. you can have it oh, absolutely yeah. oh, all right oh, so of I'll, I'll, and I'll, so i'll send you his, his number because we hey, we Marty, had to, you, you have we my had email to, right uh i don't believe i do let me hang on let me find a spare spot on the wall yeah. and get a can of spray paint here <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, marty and i had to communicate over landlines a couple of times before we can get the computer thing going so yeah <laughs> and and steve if, if uh I, I'll, I'll, I'll let me give all of you my my email if anyone wants it, and certainly in particular, Steve, Steve and Rick, uh, especially, mm -hmm. um, uh, being old friends, um, my 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 email has been for many many years. I, I think I think you've even used it as such. Marty Goodman, M A R T Y G O O D M A N, at S B C. That's Sam Bravo Charlie. S B C Global dot net. Yep, had yeah. it already. Okay. And um, and mine mine is webmaster at rickadams.org. Webmaster at yes. Rick R I C K A D A M S dot org. Very yep. good. Very very good. Yeah, I'm going to probably have Stevie uh, pass your current phone number to me too, because I really missed our conversations. I, for what it's worth, I think I believe I'm still listed. And if you just ask for me okay. in San Pablo, California, you, you probably will at least get what remain what what still is my so-called landline. Of course, it's not really a an analog line; it's a VOIP through my little box. But we, we still call it a landline because it ain't got 
text and it's a, a phone in the house. <laughs> I've got an old Radio Shack phone that I've managed to keep the batteries in there. It's I've got phone numbers in there from 35, almost 40 years ago. Oh, my. <laughs> and I think your number might be in there. I'm going to have wow. to compare it to see if, if it's it, the same one. If it is in there, it has not changed. Yep. If well, it's, the if area it's, code might have changed. Um, you know what? There was an area code change for the East Bay, but that was an awfully long time ago. <laughs> We've been area code 510 for a hell of a long time. There was one time when all of San Francisco was 415 and then the East yeah. Bay split off and became 510, but that was quite a long, long, yeah. long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Similarly, my Brooklyn number is area code 718, which is considered a prestige area code because it's, it got all filled up and now they're using some other more modern area. You know how it is when, if you have one of the old area codes, it, 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 it supposedly confers some status. And you know, my, par my parents got it in 1968 and I still have it. Uh, Prior to 718, it was all 212. Excuse me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm 718. All of the city was 212. That's right. That's right. But the split to 718, again, was, oh, it, it was in the early 60s or late 50s. I forget which, but it, it wow. was a while back. <laughs> I think the new area code is 978. For Brooklyn? For Brooklyn. That 978 was New Jersey. No. I, I can't speak to that. I really don't know. <laughs> They're overlaying so many area codes over the same area codes. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, Jersey was 201, and mine is 917. Hmm. When I was a kid, my phone number was Greenwood 59014. There you go. Sure, it wasn't Transylvania 65000? <laughs> no. I thought it was only four digits there, Ron. You remember the old rock and roll song, Beachwood 55789? Five, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Some of us are old enough to remember it. <laughs> and the one with Jenny. The, excuse me, with. 8675309. Yes. The, that one, yeah. Yeah, Jenny. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, then, and, and then there's the hee haw, BR549. BR549, yeah. <laughs> then there's the 6809. <laughs> 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 so do you know um have you did you back in the day did you ever uh have thoughts about the 6309 and the implications of it being faster or were you out of it by then um i think i even had a 6309 oh. correct me if i'm wrong this was a an hitachi processor that basically was a version of the 6809 but it I'm trying to remember. It was a much low. It was lower power, yeah. And and I, I I don't remember the part about it having a higher cycle rate, but it may well have. It, it did. I take it. Yeah, it had, it had extra instructions, extra registers, uh, block memory moves, uh, native mode that ran 10 to 15 percent faster. A lot of instructions are one or two cycles faster. Yeah, and it was also totally backward compared. You you could drop a 6309 into yeah. the Coco, I think, and it, and it would happily yep. run. Wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, Richard is a guru uh, doing most of those for us. Huh. So you, some of you folks have used the 6309. Yeah. Cur I, currently have it. I have. We have, yep. Believe it or not, they got a version of OS 9 that runs on the 6309. Uh, what? How much faster, Curtis? Uh, depending on what you're doing, it's anywhere from between 50% to three to 400% faster. That's substantial. 
Yeah. I mean, if you if you'd said ten percent, I would have said, "Oh well," but but that's substantial. Mm-hmm. That makes right. a real difference. So it's got it's got so I I, I as I said, I think I, I even had one. I may even have popped one into a cocoa on one or, or another occasion. All the cocoa threes I had had sockets for their processor before I got done with them. It, um, is but, Nick on the call? I don't see. Excuse me, Nick Morantes. Morantes. Yeah, he's here. Uh, yes, I'm. Yeah, he's there upside down. Nick is working <laughs> on one of the first games that is going to be 6309 native. Uh, I don't know if it's the first game, but um, it's one of them. And I think Chet as well on online is uh, planning on one too. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are there any others? Because I don't know of any. Yeah, Ro- Roger Taylor did, Roger a, Taylor did some. Which is there's a couple like Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Remix that actually kick oh, in. Right. Yes, 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 Nothing yes. else, but. Mm-hmm. And Nitrous Nine was a rewrite. Well, there was two six through nine uh, OS Nine upgrades. It was Power Boost by Chris Burke, and you might remember that one, uh, Marty, because it came out a few months before ours did. And then Nitrous Nine, which came out in '92, which was rewriting the whole thing to run in native mode, and it's just been going on ever since. So we keep speeding it up. Now, as as I mentioned, I've and and I guess a minute, some a number of you folks have as well. I've socketed the sixty-eight oh nine on my Cocos. But that that's a non-trivial thing to do. It take it takes a bit of time and effort and care and and even the average light duty tinkerer would find would would find that somewhat intimidating. I know I know it took me a while to get to the point where I had the skill to to do it and feel comfortable about doing it. But you know, to, but to run these things, you, you you do have to socket your processor if you're running it on a native cocoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh. we have a couple of hardware people, uh, Richard Lorbieski being one, Mark Marlette at Cloud9 being another, that actually right. do this as a service. Mm. They- I remember at one Rainbow Fest, I gave a demonstration of, how, of socketing a processor. I, I was somewhat cavalier about it and damn near botched it up, but I managed to pull it off. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know anyone who does it, but Chris Hawk once published an article on how to piggyback the 6309 on top of the 6809 Ooh, solder it. You're saying that he 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 gave a means of, in effect, disable with with, with a signal to one or two pins, disabling the 68 or not. No, I think so it was the power pin. You would just bend up the power pin, and you'd clip the power pin on the 6809, and you'd bend them up and use a switch, and you could switch between them by power. Nasty. Or the other. Yeah. Interesting. I I, I'd be concerned about that the circuitry might s- somehow mess with those delicate signals on the various pins, but you're saying it didn't. Cool. Interesting. Well, he did an article on it. I don't know anyone who's done it, but he did do an article on that. Yeah, uh, that's, that's something I wouldn't recommend doing anyway, because yeah. one of the processors uh, malfunctioned. It's, it's a nightmare to try to remove both of those out of there. Yeah. Well, Richard, again, Richard does it very easily. He's very practiced at it. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly quicker and easier. You can do it from the top of the board, but I would, I would side strongly with Steve that that I, it, I, I just feel uncomfortable about about hearing that. I've even yeah. got sixty. Yeah, if somebody off. write an article in Rainbow is one thing. Whether it's a proper thing to do. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> you remember I, back in the day, <laughs> uh, Marty, some of the articles that people write, and you would kind of go, huh? <laughs> I, I, I think I may have been more 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 vocal than that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep this so we don't have a red flag on the uh, YouTube video. I have 6309s not only in my Coco 3, but in several of my Coco 1s and Coco 2s. Ah, 
Yeah, and there is a version of Nitrous 9 for Cocoa 1 and 2 that's actually got some use, not as much as the level 2 one, because that's the one we've been working on since 92, but level 1 even has some optimization for it. But, but there is a board um, that's called the Moo, is that what it's called? The, the the cartridge that you plug in and it adds RAM and they're in, they're in OS 9 or Nitrous 9 drivers for it? Yeah, that's the one from Europe. The one from Europe, yeah. And that also works on the Dragon. Yeah, it's 512k on a on a Coco One Two or a Dragon. How many mm -hmm. pe how many people have seen a Dragon? I had one in my house for a while. I, I have two of them. I have I have Bob Rosen's prototype of the Dragon. Oh my! <laughs> and Ron's holding up his. Mm -hmm. Marty, Bob Rosen was so cheap that when he <laughs> got the prototype from Tano, once I was done reviewing it and decided he was going to sell them, he pulled all the chips from the prototype dragon and sold them on his rainbow ad mm. all the chips he he uv erased the eproms for the basic and sold blank oh well he was like anybody else back in new york that was selling bcrs if you wanted the remote control you had to pay extra for that even though it was shipped in the box well, the next time i saw you in person marty was in bob rosen's living room on woodhaven boulevard Oh really? Across the street from the Radio Shack, he used to be the manager of. Really? Yes. Yeah. He, Bob Rosen lived in lived in Howard Beach. That's right. Mm -hmm. I remember visiting him. And Colorware was right down Jamaica Avenue from there, as was Zebra Systems and Alpha Products. We were all those three companies were within a block of each other on Jamaica Avenue. That, I, you know, I'm not sure I was even aware of that at the time. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yep. And uh, Bob, were you, Doug, do you remember Bob's nickname? We used to call him Cheap Dog. <laughs> Candidly, I don't recall that. But, I mean, I, there was a time when I was very fond of Bob. There was a time when I felt like, to one extent or another, I was not being entirely treated right what have you but i think we all he agree a lot of people he did it to us at zebra he sold yeah. us the license to every spectrum projects program mm -hmm. i went crazy duplicating dozens of them and made new manuals and duplicated discs and we went to rainbow fest and all the software authors came up to our table and said why are you selling my software you don't have a license to sell it and, and i said we bought it from bob rosen and he said well bob rosen doesn't own the software and he didn't have the rights to sell you the license sadly that's a really believable story <laughs> sadly luckily we only paid him 2500 so with the stuff mm. we could sell we recovered our investment does anybody know what happened to bob i don't he moved back from san jose married a mail order bride from some asian website <laughs> and opened up a company called spectrum sports sports memorabilia and then that disappeared and he disappeared and i haven't heard from him in 25 years okay well you're 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 his trail is a little more fresh with you than with me <laughs> <laughs> well you you remember uh when uh rosen came out to silicon valley he thought it'd be great and then he realized i'm gonna have to drive a car right <laughs> yeah it's like okay wake up you're, you know, you see all these movies about the California lifestyle and all rebrows, you know, it's around a car. He just, did, he, he didn't know how to drive. 
And he well, hey, when I graduated from college and was on my way off to San Diego for medical school, the f six months before I left, I knew I have to learn to drive. I didn't know how to drive, having mm -hmm. grown up in New York. My parents went to their graves never owning or ever having learned how to drive a car. And that is not unusual for, for many New Yorkers. Exactly. Lives in New York. And I certainly hadn't a clue about driving, but I knew, okay, I'm going to California. I'm going to have to A, know how to drive, and B, have a car if I'm going to survive there. So, you know, I just made a point of doing so. And, and, and a friend of mine kindly offered to teach me to drive on one condition that I, that I agree to learn to drive a standard, a, uh, a clutch-based car. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> now, when you're in Southern California and you're riding around, just touring, enjoying it, how many wheels are underneath you? Because I remember you had some interesting bikes. Uh, I still have, although I don't ride much anymore, um, recumbent bikes. Uh, mm -hmm. the, bi the bikes that I'm ride, the bikes that I ride are are in fact bicycles. They're two-wheeled machines. But what I find, what I found interesting, a very very dear friend of mine who makes his living selling recumbent bicycles was telling me that over the last five years, there's been a major change in the market and in the kind of recumbent bikes that people buy. He said up, up until about five years ago, his business was almost entirely two-wheeled recumbent bikes. But in the last five years, it's, it's, it's become up to 75% recumbent trikes, three-wheel right. vehicles. And th that apparently is what most people who buy recumbent human-powered vehicles for want of a better name bicycle, but they're tricycles, of course. Um, that's, what, that's what people are buying now. Um, it's very interesting. They're remarkable machines, and the good ones, they don't give away. Um, you want to get yourself a good German Velotechnic, and you want to go for front and rear suspension, um, you can be out six grand real easy. So wow. that's, that's, that's not your casual you know, knockabout machine that you leave on the street and go in the store for half an hour and come back. I hope we'll be there. Right. Now that's, that's, see, that's the thing is there's these islands in your life that you are very knowledgeable, very strong about, you know, a lot about the stuff. And that's the thing is your whole thing is you have lots of islands. <laughs> yeah, and It's an archipelago. <laughs> and the thing is the, we could sit down for two hours at a Cocoa Fest and we would be talking about the stuff and you'd bring up different aspects of your life. And not once would you repeat a subject. There was always <laughs> something new and fascinating about Marty Goodman. <laughs> well, it's not me. It's the world. <laughs> we live in an interesting world. <laughs> and you sure partake in it. Yeah. You're an interesting person in an interesting world, Marty. I've never forgotten you. I always think of you kindly. It's the, the, that's very kind of you to say that. I, I, I mean, it, I, the main thing would make me happy is if I, I bring either happiness or, or at least, or better yet, interest to somebody. <laughs> well, I know from when, when we visited with you and Tim and I came up and we helped you move stuff around, we talked for, I don't know how many hours at your house and we went out for supper and stuff. It was like, like Steve said, never covered the same subject twice, not even the same <laughs> remotely related subject twice. It just it, it went the entire gamut all over the place, and it was it was incredibly interesting. Are are you still locally in the in the Bay Area? Oh no, I never was. I was actually down there visiting. Oh, you were just then, visiting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim yeah. was local down to the area. Obviously. Yes. 
Yeah, we just. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Tim again. I haven't seen him in a while. We should go out and have a bite to eat. Yeah, I, inv I invited Tim to be on the call tonight since Tim kind of arranged this for us. But ironically, Tim is uh, he 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 responded to my email. He goes, "Listen, I'm I'm in Miami right oh. now, and I'm getting on a cruise for seven days." No, so, no wonder he no wonder he didn't answer the phone well when, when, yeah. when you gave me that number that wouldn't link me to to this conference mm. and i was i was hesitant to call you back because you said gee i'm real busy with the conference i gotta go so the next thing i did was try to call tim but he didn't ah, answer the phone. okay <laughs> so yeah so i was i was wanting to um i was hoping he could be here because he was kind of the catalyst to make all this happen for us to get you on um, well, well, that explains why he didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to save him for part two. Excuse me, I'm sorry. We'll have to save Tim for part two of your interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, he'll be back. One hopes. <laughs> well, the question is, are you going to be back? Um, I understand this is a regular event on on a weekly event. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you I, don't I, have to make it weekly, but we just love having you on. Well, that's awful nice, Steve. Uh, especially, especially for my 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 my, my old nemesis. Here. <laughs> um, and I still know the Luigi guys. They 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 still carry around the pipe. <laughs> I actually use that phrase now with others. I say, uh, you know, I may call up my friend Luigi, the famous Sicilian orthopedic surgeon. I believe he's got a special this week. Kneecaps. <laughs> we could make this into a mud wrestling event. <laughs> tonight um, on a very special coco talk i have to confess part of that one i got from an old rockford files show <laughs> um anyways yeah I, I would be delighted to to drop by again um steve or 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 steve or rick um if if you like feel free to drop me an email or a phone message or something reminding me because i i am juggling a lot of balls and it's possible i may forget the time or date but if you if you give me a reminder an email or something like that there's a much higher chance that i'll remember to to, to log on now that i have the right numbers Steve. yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, well, I, I, pro I probably miswrote it. It's probably my fault. <laughs> we used to do it in the middle of the day. Well, for me, it was the middle of the day. We were doing it at 2 p.m., which would have been about 11 a.m. your time, right? So this was our first time doing our our main program late in the evening. And so it was kind of an experiment. And I would say this experiment has paid off for tonight anyways. And we didn't promote I didn't promote the fact you were going to be here, Marty, because I wanted it to be a surprise, and you 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 weren't sure if you were going to make it. So, um, had I promoted, hey, tune in tonight for Marty Goodman, we probably would have got a lot of people tuning in. But um, for this this being a, a regular show, we had thirty six live viewers at one point in time. We had twenty people in the panel. You know, it's coming up on midnight for me here in Florida. So, um, <clears throat> I would say this has been a pretty good show for for changing the time. Well, um, and we might keep it. We'll have to wait and see, you know, you, you folks have been really nice and made you you've really given me a, a very kind welcome. And I obviously I felt very, very good. I, Steve, I don't know if Steve conveyed this, um, but um, I, I, I while I certainly had used Skype and VOIP and stuff in years past, I hadn't been using it for many years. I had even taken Skype off my computer just because I wasn't using it. And when 
Steve said, well, you know, you got to use Zoom to join this conference. I, you know, I said, what is this Zoom? I don't know if I want some alien software on my computer or what, blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, Steve was just patient with me. And eventually I broke down and said, oh, all right, I'll download the damn thing and figure out how to use it. Maybe next time I'll even get me a webcam. Who knows? I may, I may stick another toe in the 21st century. <laughs> Let me know. I'll send you out one of the 20 or 30 ones I've got laying around. <laughs> 1633, Bay of Vista. <laughs> yeah, so drop me a line in email, Steve. I'll give you my address. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually I was asking your namesake, the other Steve, whether there's a rec any recommendations on what webcam to get. And what Steve said was, you know, damn near anyone will work. It's not a big deal. I hope I'm not going to get anyone in trouble by saying this, but on the Color Computer Archive, both Graphicom and Graphicom Part Two are up there. That's fine. I, I know of no I know of no one who would feel ill about that. Indeed, anyone I could think would would be delighted to hear that. Yeah, I don't know. I have to see if the manuals are up there because they were very extensive manuals that yes, there mm -hmm. were that came with them. Uh, um, but if they are, they're certainly welcome. At, at this point, there's, there's a, apart from me, there's one person alive who can speak to it, and I'm sure he would be perfectly delighted to learn that. Good. Yeah, the manuals are up there. They're also in the cool. Cool. Oh, a, a reminder to all, in case for, for in case you're not aware, or at least all who are who are in North America, since not everyone online is in North America here. But um, you, as you may know, there's going to be a total lunar eclipse tomorrow, tomorrow night, uh, mm -hmm. Pacific time. It's between 7.30 and um, about 11 o'clock. Uh, it's going to be iffy for me to see it because we have a storm blowing in and into the Bay Area, and it's not clear it'll be blown out in time for me to enjoy the eclipse. But if you are in North America and have clear skies tomorrow night. Um, yeah, lunar eclipse is a neat thing to see. You don't have to stand out there for all, you know, three hours watching it, but watch the shadow touch the moon and, and look at the moon when it's fully covered in blood red. It's a cool thing to do. Yeah, Ron DeVoe on the panel here is actually our resident astronomer. He's yes. actually pretty good sized I, telescopes and stuff in his yard. So I have an observatory in my backyard and I'll be uh, broadcasting it to Italy for uh, people in Europe to see. Cool. Where, cool. where are, are you going to get good weather? You were supposed to have uh, little puffy clouds here and there. Not too bad. Today was great. I wish it'd be like today, tomorrow. We'll see. It, it, it'll be real iffy for me. I've been following Weather Underground, and there's this big ass storm that's that's blowing in, and and I, I each time I check, the damn thing seems to be dragging its feet more and more, and so it's looking like it's going to be lingering during the eclipse. Um, have have you have you ever had the pleasure of seeing a total solar eclipse? No. Yeah, have Have you considered chasing after one someday? No, no not important to me. Uh, I'm, okay. more into, I'm, I'm more into astrophotography, deep sky objects. Uh, the sun's okay. Yeah, it's interesting. But um, and even this, um, you know, lunar eclipse is cool. I've seen four or five of them, but yeah, <laughs> it's you know, they happen on a regular basis. What, one the of world. the one of the nice things about a total solar, it's not necessarily the most knock you on your ass visually spectacular but from the point of view of being an astronomer or a scientist whatever it's neat 
is, you know, you look up in the sky and there's this totally black disk where the sun used to be and the sky is dark enough. So you see Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter hanging mm -hmm. in a line on, on either side of the sun. And you, suddenly in the middle of the day, you see the sun and the planets in the plane of the ecliptic. And you really get this sense, wow, I'm in a solar system that's in a disk. And there are the planets hanging out there. And I can see them and the sun. That, that, I've, that aspect of a total solar eclipse I've always enjoyed. <laughs> Well, the thing that I've always found most interesting is how nature works during the solar eclipse because you get the dogs starting to do the evening howl. You've got the birds flying home as if it's night and everything. And then all of a sudden the sun comes back, What? and they're just all so freaked out. <laughs> as a matter of fact, our species used to get pretty freaked out by the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so eating the sun. My, my favorite aspect of a solar eclipse was actually helped prove the, the theory of relativity correct. Yep. Um, that, well, they were able to um, observe, what is it, observing a, a starlight near the sun and observe the light get bent, if I yeah, recall correctly. Yeah, by the gravity mm -hmm. of the sun, yeah. Yep. Or, or, or rather, or rather, have have the light go around that 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 dish in space time created <laughs> that is the gravitational field. Yeah. Um, there's a gravity well there <laughs> and there is <laughs> and there is now the next thing would be to catch a mini black hole but anyway <laughs> oh they'll do that over there in europe with the collider actually now they're talking about building a new one that's much bigger too yeah so. the bigger collider i just i just heard a news story about that uh, just, i think it's just this morning or yesterday and what what the skeptical side of that they were saying well we're not sure we're going to you know find something like a higgs boson whether there's anything else out there or not so you know we could spend all this money and not find a new particle <laughs> oh well <laughs> and it's like going from the mini mpi to jim brain's 16 port mpi it's just a magnitude of scale there so <laughs> oh there's now a 16 port mpi well, well it's, it's two of them put together it's two eight oh, ports yeah. two eight <laughs> ports put together yeah so if you didn't have enough things to plug in you know or not slots you now you've got a multi-pack that can handle everything i remember i pretty much filled up my multi-pack i mean you had your disc controller and you had your rs-232 card and let's see what else did we have we had an eprom controller and we had hard drive I, I controller uh speech sound voice pack. Pack. there you go sound, uh... well there's a um, mega mini multi-pack that uh has come out it's a four slot multi-pack but also has two rs-232 ports on it and a sound chip and huh. ex external power yeah yeah, well, yeah. The, the thing to do is to put as much as you can on 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 the one board. That 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 would be the way to go if you're going to be yeah, doing that. That just released a module that you plug into the side, and it lets you take a, a mini USB adapter and plug it into your PC for drive wire, so you can you don't even have to cobble up a, a serial port cable. No, oh, uh, wow. There's Rick, Rick, Rick showing his uh, cartridge there. His release. Yeah. Bomb threat, nice. Mm -hmm. With uh, That's the artwork is done by my son, uh, Joel, who uh, he surprised me with this design. He wow. researched old Tandy cartridges and exactly replicated the whole trade dress, the look of the cartridge, the color set involved. 
there was all kinds of stuff that he figured out. And that's I, I can tell you from my, that that looks authentic. <laughs> yes, it has a catalog number too, doesn't it? Classic. Yes, it's a it's a fake catalog number, but that's all right. <laughs> it's a newly made. It's not three D printed. That's a newly made plastic injection right. cartridge. Wow. And the only thing that I changed was it has a Tandy logo. Uh, where is that? It's yeah, right there. there. Yes. And uh, so he had the Tandy logo, and I changed it so in, in small, tiny print on the top and bottom of that, it says a game for your Tandy color computer <laughs> <laughs> to keep us out of legal trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I think Tandy has enough troubles now that I, I, yeah. I, I doubt they'll be allocating funds to go after you. <laughs> yes, correct. A picture of the Mega Mini multi-pack to show. Marty, yeah, I have it. I have it queued up in the uh, news articles. So yeah. yeah, he would be surprised at how tiny it is compared to the original. I, I, is oh my goodness! Really? Show it on yeah, let me see if I can find it here in one of my news articles. Yeah, uh, showing one. Has Jason got one up? No, I got bomb thread up. Okay, <laughs> bomb thread. Two port. That's the original. Yeah, there's the two slot. Okay, okay. that's that's the mini MPI. And so I've got have, the four port. That's the four port. I have a Glensa oh. hard disk controller that has two connectors on it. Yeah, I got one of those. That way, could you hold up the or or put on the screen the hard disk controller once again? Sure, just, Marty. Uh, Carrie. Interesting. So you 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 is 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 one of those a a a little processor or or I mean in the old the, the original Tandy disk controller was all. No, even the original. It all, it all looks like discrete logic to me because it's a simple IDE interface. But this has been so obsoleted by the Coco SDC. Oh. I just kind of have it to have it, but not really to use it. Hmm. The Coco SDC is so superior in every way. Does anyone have a, a, a visual representation of, of the Coco SDC? Or? Yeah, I just pulled up a picture of the new Mega Mini, Mega, Mega Mini MPI. So there you the, go. this whole thing here is the four slot MPI. On the far right is the Coco SDC. Aha. Uh -huh. On the far left is a cartridge that Ed Snyder came up with that's called the PSG Programmable Sound Generator, which is a custom sound chip with two uh, Atari joystick adapters. Huh. Um, and then this there's, is a there's this my is, Coco SDC. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's Rick Adams Coco SDC right there. Yeah. Oh, actually, I've got one I can hold up to. I've got the actual. Coco Do you have SDC. a bare one? Yeah, you see what's going on here, Marty. Is there has been a really a renaissance? You know, just everybody's coming out with stuff. Yeah. It, I haven't seen this much stuff for the cocoa in oh since the first or second last annual cocoa fest. I mean, it's just like. Let's see if I can pop mine up. There you go. It's getting expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one that's easier to open. Yeah, there's uh, also uh, there someone's doing an FPGA implementation of the Gimme chip. Yeah. Oh, really? Can, I'm that not sure if you can on... see my camera, Marty, or not. Yes, but... yes, no, I, I see it very clearly. So that's the Coco SDC cartridge. So when you look at it from the side here, that's the slot where you would put in the SD card. That's a fairly sophisticated board. There, you got a bunch yeah. of floating gate arrays and. Mm -hmm cool stuff yeah Some, somebody think, somebody put in a lot of work on that darn and thing and there's a button on there so you can put multi-discs in yeah there's oh. a little button here you can press so and there's a little blinky light here so if well, you, may it, ask when that when that became available for purchase uh, how long ago 
roughly? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 2014, I think. I'm oh, trying wow. to remember that. Really? Okay. Okay. Interesting. And the cases that you're seeing there, Marty, those are uh, 3D printed. You know, 3D printed. Yeah. yeah. No. This yeah, is not well, injection molded. <laughs> yeah, no? yeah. So this is the John Strong case that most people have. The first generations were plexiglass, and I think Tim Lindner came up with the plexiglass cases. Uh -huh. This was the this was the John Strong case where you actually had to reach in and like use a pen, pen point to push in the button to switch discs. Uh -huh. This this particular one here has actually got a little switch on it that's kind uh -huh. of part of the thing where you can just kind of push the switch into uh, push the to press the button, press the tab. Yeah. So well, surely any tinker who didn't like the recess button could could have modified that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Marty wrote an article way back in the day on how to modify the silver multi-pack for the Coke 3 before the upgraded PAL chips came out. I, 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 remember, I remember I got involved with multi-packs. There were a couple of interesting oddities. The, the new multi-pack had certain addressing issues that the old one didn't. Mm -hmm. um I, I it's been long enough i can't immediately rattle off what it was but i recall mm -hmm. there were certain addresses you could if it was i recall that you couldn't get at or something like that because of the way you know, it was decoded well they also had to do some changes so that it would work properly with the gimme chip on the coco 3. right right in fact that, that was it they, they, they were trying to make it not um not use addresses that were also gimme addresses. That's right. So exactly. you're saying there's, there actually is an effort to to resurrect the gimme trip. Yeah, an FPGA gimme that not only replicates the original gimme functionality, it adds extra video modes, lowercase. Uh, well, now you're thinking of the Coco VGA. No, it did. Well, lowercase and the gimme. Well, I guess the gimme had lowercase. Yeah, yeah. Coco three had the lowercase. Well, the Coco VGA is a product for the Coco one and two. That adds VGA output and lowercase. Yep. And 64 column mode. And 64 column mode. And and the Gimme X is also going to add VGA to the Coco 3. Yes. And it's got, they're actually putting in some stuff too. Like they're basically on the Coco FPGA design, which actually has stuff like uh, bit blitting and extra high res modes and extra palettes and everything else too. So it's actually extending the Gimme as well. The, the community of people who are, um, as opposed to those who are designing these, who, which I, I, obviously is going to be a very small community with the knowledge and time to do that. But the community of people using these, I, I, Steve was telling me that you're looking at numbers that are approaching a thousand. Uh, am well, I correct in that? How many yeah, members are on the um, Coco group? 2,500. Yes, 2,500 members in Facebook. I'm not sure they're all completely active, but yeah. Right. Yes, 700 of these Coco SDCs have been sold. So that's an idea of... Yeah, you know, hard work. That, that's impressive. But we're getting really, you're, you're now making me feel bad that I that that a few years ago I, I gave the last of my stuff to Tim Lindner. <laughs> hmm. I, uh, I suppose one can them. always reacquire it. You <laughs> bet. Well, you could also just simply enjoy living through the Facebook and these shows here too, and like that. I mean, we do cover it all. That matter. I mean, there's new new versions of OVCC coming out now, so you can run it on multiple platforms and. MAME's emulation is really good too. It emulates some of the, even the new hardware we're that's being designed at the moment too. So mm -hmm. you can use it. It's also, telling me how oh, yeah how how OS nine is now running on on lots of different hardware. Yeah, the current OS nine. Yeah. Yeah, Chat's been working on taking uh, a lot of the stuff that's being developed and throwing in MAME and doing the other stuff. He's been really busy with this stuff. 
what what, what I, I now the 6809 hasn't been made in a long time replenishing the supply of that would 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 be kind of a daunting task well there are cycle exact um fpga implementations of the 6809 really yeah mm -hmm. Oh my! <laughs> and sixty-three oh nines are very common now. They're like less than five bucks, and they're completely compatible. You just got to make sure that you get them from a uh, legitimate dealer. I've seen some of them that are bad poles that people have sold. Uh oh, yeah. Bad poles are relabels. Exactly. I may have a tray of sixty-eight bo nines somewhere, if folks are still. If folks are interested in that, I'll have to I'll have to take a look. But um, if someone has a use for those, if I, if I have not, if they have not somehow otherwise disappeared, and someone can give them a good home, I'll be happy to. Um, to, to that would be Richard. Off. Yeah, Richard. <laughs> definitely sound to Richard. Richard will make sure they they go to a good place. Uh, I I I have to make sure I still have them. I know I had a tray full of them, and I can't i'll have to check i'll have to go trotting downstairs at some point and and i know exactly where to look they're either there or not i'll, I'll check <laughs> hey, yeah, i think tim got some of your chips too so i can't remember which ones he got anymore yeah, at one some, point someone on the one point i had a whole bunch of 68 b21s you know the the pia chips and stuff yes yeah, someone on the coca li list was looking for um pias and looking for the t1 video chip the 6847 t1 that one is a bit rare. That that would be rare. I don't I don't recall ever having a stock of those. <laughs> yeah, those are um titanium. But I think they're working on a Coco VGA that'll work in the T1 systems. Mm. They already did. Oh, they did. It's done. Good. I have one. It works Not, great. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> Stevie I'm not around to getting a Coco VGA yet, but that's on my list. Steve Marty, Stroke. hardware is getting so <laughs> yeah, easy. Wait, Ron, it seems like uh, it. <laughs> Marty, look, look at Dan Doyle or Dan Loyal's screen there. He's showing the RAM upgrade, the boomerang. Yeah, I just want to show off Richard's uh, indie work. What, 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 what? You mentioned the boomerang before. What, what does, what does it do for the Coco? It's a five twelve k memory board. Well, it's oh, now two meg. Two meg, two meg. Yeah, sorry. So make sure your Coco comes back. Yeah, well, yeah. that little wire is going to a board in the 68 or 9 socket that it adds the extra address lines. Yeah. If you remember the Disto upgrades, Marty, it's it's basically a very shrunk down, much cheaper, cooler running version of that. Hmm. Yeah. And much smaller. Uh, we've got some really good hardware designers out there that, you know, they, they think about it and boom, the product is done. I mean, it's amazing how fast Jim and Richard are. And coming up with this stuff, Richard. The price. What is it? Fifty dollars. Forty nine ninety five. Forty nine. Forty nine ninety five for both the two meg upgrade and the the DAT board, which is also adds other functionality. He's phenomenal. Did he know Paul Barton? Things. And and the, the that upgrade that you're talking about though is that the one that used static RAM? Uh, uses SRAM. Yes. Yes. Static SRAM. Static RAM. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I, no, I, it would never fit in two meg uh, DRAM. Uh, no, that would be too hot. I'd be the distro board. <laughs> I just saw the performance peripherals 512K board. It was so hot, it was literally melting the case of my Coco 3. Yeah. Well, I, I, from the very start, when I first put a 512K board in my Coco 3, my first thought was, there's got to be some way to do this with strat static RAM. This thing is too hot. But that, that's as far as I got, just the thought. I'm delighted to see someone else took it a little further. 
Marty, did you ever have any of the Tony DiStefano design one or two make upgrades? No, I had some of his disc controllers, but I don't recall. No, I don't think I had his his memory upgrades. Did he you know he, Paul Barton? Say, say again, please. Did you know Paul Barton only on Saturday night? I I have to confess, I'm drawing. I'm drawing. I'm. I think I'm drawing a blank. I I don't. Curtis, where did Paul? Paul would have been that... between when Marty kind of went out of the Coco world and, and okay. Paul was doing By the way, I think I remember. I said there was this guy who who magically introduced me to the Coco world. His first name was Curtis. If that means anything to anyone, it wasn't me. <laughs> it probably <laughs> doesn't. But it, it just it just popped into my head. His first name was Curtis. Anyway. Yeah. Did you know Frank Hogg, Hogue or Hogg, however you say it? Well, Hogue. I certainly knew of him. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure we exchanged words at Coco Fest, friendly ones, no doubt. Yeah, but we, I, I, I don't, I, I don't have much of a sense of him because we, we, we didn't seem to hang out in the same cir circles. I mean, How about you and now uh, Dennis Bathory Kits? Because you guys were both yeah. into hardware. Dennis is another matter. Dennis and I had some, had at least some degree of affinity. Um, you know, a large part of Dennis's life was in was in um, the world of music, and and still and, is, and he he th that is his identity as a musician, and additionally, how to say this? He he and I, uh, what would be the right words to pick here? It, it, while certainly our lives were not the same by a long shot. One thing we did have in common was some involvement with and some affinity for the 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 subculture of the of the late sixties early seventies the the world of politics sex drugs rock and roll and that sort of thing um i i'm not I'm not sure that was like a major identity of Dennis's but it's certainly something that both he and I had in our lives and and had at least somewhat fond memories of and so we we would be on the same wavelength on that sort of thing i once had the pleasure of visiting him in vermont i spent i spent um uh, a couple of couple three days at his at, at his house in bathory vermont um it was a long time ago a very long time ago and and my recollections of, of the time are somewhat dim other than that I, I recall i enjoyed it and it was it was a very nice experience i i think i remember you writing about it in one of the magazines you were talking about his uh that that the uh vermont did not have any kind of uh, inspection laws or anything like that and he did a lot of his own plumbing and electrical work at his house that wouldn't surprise me. De Dennis is an interesting character because he bridged, you know, normally you don't think of the art types as being pr particularly good on the highly technical and electronic side, but he was very, very good at that too. So it, he, he, he presented a very interesting character in that respect. When you yeah, get we, some we interviewed time. him just a few months ago. Yeah. Here. Actually, we should try to probably try to get the two of you together for a chat at some point. That'd be kind of interesting to have you. Has, has Dennis showed up on here? Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. Neat. That's what Neat. I was going to ask you, uh, Steve, if uh, he knew some of the other people that we've interviewed. Um, yeah, I said I know of Frank, but I, I, I can't recall having had much connection. But Dennis, as I said, was kind enough to invite me over to his house on one occasion. And that, that was really neat. And I, I can't say I know him. I, I don't know his soul. I don't know him well as a person. But there, there, there was some some mild level of affinity that that I felt for him when uh, when, when I met him. Yeah, sure, certainly. 
Yeah, because you were mentioning like the the crossing of the technical and the arts, and I mean, he did one demo at Coco Fest where he had the ambient room, which had all these sensors, and it would adjust musical tones as people walked around. De- Dennis was very into incorporating tech, you know, his knowledge, his technical knowledge into into creating his art, and and I thought that was really neat. <laughs> Yeah, and we should get the two of you together again because I mean, you guys had some, you know, like you said, you had some yeah. affinity for stuff in the '60s and stuff. I think that'd make a fascinating dual interview, kind of like when Rick and, and Dale had the interview together. Yeah, D- D- Dennis also created, a, as you may recall, an EEPROM programmer for the yes. GoCo. I have one. All right, Mount Micro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah except but, it didn't. Uh, except it didn't boost VCC when it did fast programming. Grr. <laughs> That's Marty. Ran on three nine volt batteries. Excuse me. It ran on three. Oh, that's volt right. Batteries. That's right. That that too. That was a, that was a bit funky. That's right. You're right. <laughs> the color burner. Right. Yeah. He also had the lower kit. He he did dynamic color news magazine for a bit. Uh, right. He did right. his own uh, video mod. His own color video mod. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. By and the he way, had- he had cassette tapes too, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yes, he did. The computer learning lab. He had. He had yep. Yes, he did. Tape. Marty, you would be interesting to know your monochrome video mod for the Coco also works rather well on the Time X ZX eighty one, and the one thousand computer. This. this oh, cool. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's a, basically it 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 it's it, it, it's happy to take in a, comp- a composite video signal, you know, and yeah. And there are cool. people constantly on the Facebook page looking for composite video mods for Coco and your, the schematic for your mod always comes up. It's a very simple circuit. That's what it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's two very generic uh, general purpose little transistors. And, and as I recall, and a couple of resistors, it's, 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 a, it's just I a couple. Think, I think the monochrome was in rainbow and the color was in hot cocoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the monochrome I always like because it, Mainly because I was into using my cocoa for word processing and text, and in that context, you really wanted the nice sharpness of a monochrome monitor. Uh, for anything else, you wanted color, of course. My, my my first monitor for my cocoa was a Gorilla Banana monitor. I remember those. I remember Magnavox. those well. <laughs> Private labeled Magnavox. Do you remember also the Amdeck monitors? Yeah. Yes, I had one of those too. Those are another. They had a very distinctive appearance, both their screen and their shape. Um, I have a picture of one. Uh Aha! It's too bright, probably. Yeah, it's 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 flaring out a bit. I'm afraid, but yeah. Yeah. If we could have the people that are in the peanut gallery on the chat line, if you got any questions for Marty, now would be a good time to type those questions in so we can make sure we can answer them before we have to leave. Yeah, my brain is just starting to shut down from just sheer exhaustion from the day. And I, you know, so um, I've been up since the butt crack of dawn. Um, but oh, then this is this is great. Eastern. Yeah. That sounds like a Martyism. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So. Uh, I don't. I don't want this show to end, but I'm not going to be able to keep my eyes open much longer. Not not because it's putting me to sleep. It's just my body is falling asleep on me. So um, your brain is turning to oatmeal. Yeah, hey, we haven't talked yeah. about my joystick adapters either, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have to save that for Dick. So I'm getting a little a little fried myself. Actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. But, 
Yeah, it was definitely a joy having you here, Marty. And you're welcome to come back. And yeah, I will. Uh, I will circulate your your phone number and email with uh, with uh, Steve Bjork and Rick Adams so they can reach out to you. Um, Just a, a, a quick PS on phone numbers, since you bring it up. Um, over the years that I published in Rainbow, they never published my phone number, but on a several occasions, fairly frequently, I think they published my address, and it was trivial. To look up my phone, my phone number has always been listed, and and if you knew what city I was in, it was trivial to to look up my phone number. And over the years that I was like sort of you know known from Rainbow, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I I I I guess what I'm saying is Coco celebrity did 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 not entail abuse of one's phone. Is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, to the extent that I had such, anyway. Uh, I think on the average, I'd get like. Oh, gee, two, two phone calls a year, two or three. I'm talking about like phone calls out of the blue saying, oh, you know, I looked you up. I read your article in Rainbow. I want to ask you this, that, the other thing. And and not a lot. Steve, Steve or Rick, did you did you get people tracking you down? And, and Oh, calling? yes. Uh, a lot, a little? Uh, enough that it actually became more annoying than just, oh, this is an interesting little thing to do. No, it just... So it, you it, you were more of a target than I. <laughs> oh, you would. You, I actually had somebody send me the cost of a floppy and what it would be to mail it back, so he could have a copy of my game because he felt the price that Radio Shack was selling it for was too high. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh, <laughs> but the, the the infrequent calls I got, the vast majority of them were were perfectly reasonable. Somebody was asking a hardware question or this or that, and and you know, once in a while, I'd get somebody who, I don't know, didn't know what they were talking about or whatever. But it would be so rare; it would be like once a year or something. So you know, it's, it's something that I could live with. I've got a hardware problem. Uh. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I've been reading one of your articles you wrote. It was the uh, modem pack hack, uh, turning it into an RS-232. Oh, that was a favorite of mine. I ended up producing a circuit board to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually was looking and I said, man, he has doctor handwriting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sometimes, sometimes my handwriting is quite good. I don't, I don't recall what what you're referring to there, but what the heck? Oh, it was it was hand drawn schematics of your uh, of your board. Oh, that's another matter. I don't, I don't claim to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to mention, Marty, too. Um, like we'd obviously like to have you on for a second part two interview here and see if we can try to get Dennis in at the same time. But feel free to draw by any time if you just want to, you know, hang out for a bit and kind of see what's going on. You know, watch the news. You don't have to be an active, you know, participant type thing, but you can join in for discussions if you want. You don't have to be here for the whole show, et cetera. So, very you, funny. I, I don't know enough about Zoom to appear in a stealth fashion, but I suppose I could research it. <laughs> now you have a Facebook page, correct? Um, yes and no. I I, I do. I, I have I have a Facebook page, but I almost never use it. To the extent that you'll see use on it, it's probably stuff that others have done. I I want to be able to log on to Facebook. Okay, every now and then I'll look at other people's pages, but 
for whatever reason, without and 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 I'm not even sure. To some extent, I can give you a reason. To some extent, I can't. For whatever the reason is, I've sort of avoided Facebook. It's not, if for no other reason than I'm doing so many other things. I didn't want. I didn't want to get, you know, too 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 seduced by that whole world, which yeah. which apparently has seduced some people. For the well, as far as uh, we go, we have um, we're quite active on it. And uh -huh. a lot of the information about all these things we were telling you tonight is on there, on the Cocoa group. We have an OS9 group. We have Cocoa Pie group. we got all kinds of groups uh, that you can get information on whatever. And uh, some of the people here are actively contributing to it. And um, a distribution of the latest uh, ease of use comes up on there and, you know, other things. Well, the other thing, too, is if you go into the Coco group, you're going to find a lot of friends you haven't seen in a long time. Mm, even more than I see here. Uh, yes, <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, even more, even more. Cool. Another uh, Roger Taylor won't be seen on here, but <laughs> he's he's a big force out there. Yeah, I think I told you, Marty, about Discord, too, which is something we're on all the time. So it's kind of like an IRC chat and voice client all in one piece of software. And so they're text and voice conversations go on on a daily basis all throughout the day on discord too so my, yeah, we, my, we regularly get in discord and chat just like we're doing right now but it's just audio chat and, and discord is this is something apart from face facebook this is yet yet yeah. another another yes. activity yeah. another client you'd have to install but again it's mm -hmm. it's it's a trusted piece we're, we're all using it on well, many, well, many platforms give me a chance you just got me using you Zoom. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we're we'll, we'll bring oh. you into the modern world <laughs> as you said earlier 21st century one step at a time one toe at a time right Good. yeah <laughs> And just what's good about Discord, it's it's user uh, uh, contributed as far as money money wise. They don't you know they don't take all your info and sell it off and things like that. So, well, you know. that, that's encouraging. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, you, it's, it's, it's voluntary. It's not. Yeah. The Discord is a lot like Genie and Delphi used to be. Yeah, yeah. We've got all different sections you can post in, and we do the audio chats and. The thing it's, is, it's, it's not I one of those things where, where you leave your house and the NSA calls you up and say, hey, you forgot to lock your door. <laughs> right. And you can put it on your cell phone in addition to running it on your PC. Huh. By, by the way, actually, that's the important question. When you sit down at your desk and you work on a computer, what computer do you use these days? I use PCs um, okay. uh, as a general, but... Certainly, one such as yourself would, would recognize a particular hardware designation. Um, the machines I use here in California are Dell 8700, XPS 8700s. They use a, a fourth generation Core i7 in them. I've got mm -hmm. 16 gigs of memory, and they're running Windows 7. Uh, in my New York apartment, which I moved over to more, more or less modern computers a little earlier. I'm running a Dell XPS 8300s, which have, instead of fourth, they have second generation Core, core i7s in them. And I notice no difference. I, they, 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 as, as I understand it, the difference as you go from Gen 2 to Gen 4 is just uh, they run a little cooler or something like that. But they, they basically work the same. Okay. So. That would, oh, one quick thing I'll share with folks before we all go. Uh, how many of you folks out there have, have had occasion to contend with 
repairing something that bit the dust due to the capacitor plague or to or to a failed electrolytic no yes i haven't had any no i'm sure richard lorbieski has repaired some but i haven't had the problem (laughs) i was gonna say yes so I had one. I, I had one Coco three that acted weird, so I went ahead and replaced all the electrolytics. But uh, that's been the extent of that. Yeah, I had one Coco two that was weird, and I replaced the electrolytics, and it got better. So on some Coco twos, they have a um, yellow bar that shows up on the side. Then you know that that's not an electrolytic. That's well, that's the five 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 timer, isn't it? Yeah. But you but you have to do a repair on it. Right? I'm correct. An Apple authorized technician over 10 years ago and that used to plague um iMacs and emacs and the um yeah iMacs the uh the the flat screen ones and the the old tube ones Mm -hmm. and we were going full out for the philadelphia board of ed and several publishing companies repairing systems night and day Yeah, but Marty, yeah, there's so many people out there fixing their cocos. There's actually sellers on eBay that sell electrical lit kits. The mm. whole, the whole for, the cocoa. Kit. Yeah. for the cocoa. Yeah, there, there's there's a fellow. I think he's down in down south somewhere in uh, yeah, in Georgia. Uh, in Georgia, another another ham radio guy that's uh, selling cap kits. Well, the nice, I mean, the nice thing about electrolytics of the the cans—they're relatively easy to work on. They've got big leads; they're big components. You can grab them with your fingers. That's 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 a nice thing about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the last three weeks, I think I've repaired two different monitors here, which had uh, dead electrolytics in them. In one case, they. They were visibly dead in the standard way, i.e. The, the tops were blown open and stuff was beginning to dribble out. But in the other case, interestingly enough, the tops were nice and flat and clean and nothing wrong looking uh, from, from the top side. Then you look at the bottom and what they've done is blown out their bottom seal. But wasn't there a uh, company that made capacitors that had a bad batch go out and they were in monitors mostly? Well, mo- monitors were one area, but there was. I, 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 are you folks acquainted with the, the term? And you can look this up on Wikipedia. They have a nice article on this. Um, the Great Capacitor Plague. Was Wasn't that, there a lot of bad capacitors that came out in the nineties? Right. The, the way the way the story yeah. goes, and I've I've read various variants of this, but uh, uh, trying to sort of synthesize the various articles on it, I've read and. If this isn't exactly right, it's at least in the ballpark of of, of what was going on. Um, some companies wanted to get into the the game making electrolytic capacitors, but it was a, a, a an industrial secret, a proprietary secret, how to make the goop, the wet goop that that sits inside the can of these electrolytic capacitors. So they hired appropriate chemists or or they thought appropriate chemists and spent a lot of time and energy trying to reverse engineer the the chemical goop in it and they thought they got it right and so they started mass producing electrolytic capacitors and and selling them and these things found their way into pretty much everything i mean monitors stereos dvd players i I, not too long ago i replaced a bunch of caps in a a dvd uh recorder i had here at a dv and a friend of mine's dvd player although i know those worth six cents if if that but she she liked her player and i opened it up and had to replace the caps to fix it um 
And in any case, so they, they sold, you know, literally billions of these caps. I, I, I think the period of time was something like 1995 to, to, to 2003 or so, something in that range, give or take a few years. But I mean, a, a huge, a staggering number, literally billions of these caps were sold and found their way into just about every commercial product. And I think even some, you know, military stuff as well, maybe even, although. I Apple think military- and Dell were hardest hit by that. They were both sued. Who, who is this? Apple and Dell. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess the big boys had enough muscle to, to, to fight back when they got burned. <laughs> but um, the bottom line with this was that they, they didn't quite reverse engineer the, the liquid electrolyte quite, quite right. And the story I heard was they paid someone inside one of the companies to steal the formula. Uh-oh. <laughs> left out one of the chemicals that stabilized the capacitors. That, that would be consistent with the version of the, that is not what I heard, but that's completely consistent with the version of the story I heard. That may well be the case. In any case, the, the problem was the damn things would work fine for a year or two or three sometimes, and then they would fail dramatically. And they would be more likely to fail if they were put under stress. If they were in a, a high current part of a switching power supply, they, they would fail out sooner. The magic smoke. Excuse me? They'd let out the magic smoke. Let out the magic smoke. Well, the, the failure normally would be very visible. You know how ca- electrolytic cops have like a, a, a score on the top to, to relieve pressure in case something bad happens. And typically, not, not every last time, but typically what you'd see is instead of a nice flat top, the top would begin to look a little bit like a dome. Or in the worst cases, it would dome out heavily and the, 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 the scored areas would separate and goop would start bubbling out those are the dramatic cases but short of that you'd often see just a a slight bowing a slight doming and if you saw even a very slight doming you know you you want to replace this don't hesitate (laughs) and big thing in the amiga world on all the amiga forums on facebook recapping is like the first thing you do when you buy a used amiga and we're talking about literally hundreds of millions of devices, be they computers, monitors, home, 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 home electronics of all sorts, audio systems, bloody everything all over the world was affected on, on a really staggering scale. So that's, that's the great capacitor plague, as, as they put it. <laughs> Uh, the, the versions I heard didn't say that, that someone stole it, and, but, but, but gave a defective formulation. But that's quite possible. I, I can believe that. <laughs> that. That's what I heard when I worked for the Apple repair company way back in the day. That 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 you 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 may well be right. As I say, I don't you know. So some of these things get shrouded in mystery, particularly kept, years in the past, and kept us in business for a while. But uh, I mean, I, I can't list brands, you know. But I but apparently it affected. There, there are all different, all different, many many different brand names on that were stamped on the cap, but they all had the same defective juice inside. So, defective juice inside. That's like a. That's like an. That's like an alternate Intel thing. Dun 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 dun. Defective juice inside. Huh? Yeah. Now you've just listened to capacitor porn. Capacitor talk, huh? All yes. right. So you're telling me though that it has affected even the cocoa. 
not the the, the cocoa boards themselves actually are, are pretty good uh, it's just because of age that uh, usually the the caps go out now there are some ac filter caps in the model threes and fours that will go out the refa filters yeah right but uh the the cocoa itself it's been you know again it's it's most of the failures have been normal because of age my, my, well, the Cocoa had a linear power supply. As I recall, there was like one big, fat, old, nice electrolytic filter cap and not much else. And within the fairly crude limits of my understanding of the electronics, in, in the application of the cap in the linear power supply, it wasn't put under a lot of stress. Typically, more likely to fail would be, say, like, you know, the electrolytic caps in a switching power supply were apparently beaten on more heavily and, and, and were more likely to give out. Yeah. One really common failure in electronics is the uh, supercapacitor in the original Xbox that they used for the, uh, the, uh, the clock. So mm. instead of having a battery to back up the clock, they used a supercapacitor, and that would fail after just a few years. And really? And all over the board. That's funny, because what I, what I had read about supercaps was, oh, you want to use them instead of batteries, because they'll yeah. never go bad. <laughs> Microsoft did not have much luck with theirs. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Well, folks, I, I should probably retire, and I, I think yeah. most of you are getting tired as well, particularly Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but this has been a great show. This has been a, a great way to kind of kick off a new time slot. Um, and, and we didn't cover half the stuff we wanted to cover, and that's okay. You know, there's always I next apologize week. No, I no, that's fine. Questions. No, that was just we're gonna we're gonna we're basically gonna be that rehashing. Means we had a good which, interview is what that means. Yeah, rehash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had. Um, Facebook articles to rehash, which is... So, you know, no Coco Talk After Dark? <laughs> <laughs> Coco um, Talk After Hours. After yeah. After Hours. Coco Talk the, the late, late Coco Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Talk. There's a new version. Sunday morning. Praying <laughs> yeah. for your sins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be in... <sighs> Well, folks, I'm 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 gonna say farewell. All right, Marty, we can't thank you enough you, for joining us tonight. Well. Yes. I look forward to seeing you again. Likewise. Feel free to drop in any time on any of these shows, so you don't have you don't have to be the star guest or anything. You can just join in if something interesting is happening from your. That'll be a relief. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> thank Take you. care, Marty. Have Take a good care. one, Marty. Nice. Good, good evening, yeah. Steve and Rick, and a, what a pleasure to see you folks again. I look forward yeah. to seeing you, seeing more of you. Okay, let's see. Where where's my button here? And oh. uh, bottom right hand corner. Uh, and uh, and leave meeting or something like that. Yeah, leave meeting, leave not in meeting. Meeting in red leave letters. <laughs> Take care. I'll see Take you. Take care, Marty. Yeah. Thank you, Marty. Bye. Have a good one. Yeah, too bad he doesn't realize how bad the show really is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you ever give him links to look at previous episodes? <laughs> well, I, I I gave him the, the website, but yeah. It was uh well, outside <laughs> the new innovations quote in the chat. <laughs> yeah, well, except for the times folks who were not called Marty Goodman opened their mouths. <laughs> the show was tolerable. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I can't you know, I forgot how much I enjoy having a conversation with Marty Goodman. It's was the highlight of a, a Rainbow Fest.
Yeah, I, I never got to talk to him at Rainbow Fest. I mean, I saw him at some of his seminars and stuff and, you know, said hi and stuff, but I didn't know him at all. When when Tim Linder and I went up to visit him and, and kind of go through some of his Coco stuff, and then he actually took us up for supper afterwards. I mean, we had, we spent five or six hours talking the whole time uh, the, that evening, and it was it was awesome. It was like you said, you, you know, just he's has his fingers in so many pies over the years, yeah. different things did, to talk did about. Did anybody pick up on the little thing? You said five or six hours yeah. to talk yeah. with him. Yeah, oh, like yeah. Just, yeah, you can spend a lot of time. Well, I'm glad this came together. This whole thing came together kind of quickly in a span of about a week, you know. So it was after last week's show, I'd gotten the email from Tim Lindner. And I forgot who mentioned it. A few people had, had mentioned in Discord or something, hey, I've tried to reach out to Marty Goodman, but I haven't heard a response. That might have been Rick. I did. Um, and so, but then Tim sent me an email. It was kind of a group email. He says, uh, Marty, meet Steve. Steve, meet Marty. And <laughs> kind of told him a little bit about us. And then, Marty, and then you know, uh, Marty wrote me back and says, yeah, I would like to be on the show, but you're probably going to need to call me on my landline first to explain things to me because I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, so, so we've had a handful of conversations and, uh, you know, kind of coaxed him into getting into Zoom. And we did a Zoom test call and, and then... Um, yeah, but I wasn't sure if he was going to make it tonight. So we didn't. Number one, I wanted it to be a surprise, and number two, I wasn't sure. So I didn't like promote uh, the fact I, he was going to be I here tonight. I was surprised when he came on. I yeah. read his name and I said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, Way to be uh, discreet, there, Ron. Yeah. Marty Goodman. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the new time slot uh, is a success? It was, it, it was it was just as good as any other show, so I wouldn't call it a failure. Um, I mean, at, at one point in time, we picked around 36 live viewers, which is probably better than most days. You know, most days we're at two dozen to maybe 30, 33. Well, that's a, it's a Grant Leedy show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one so. thing you'll have to do, Steve, is go through this video and find his, oh, really? There's your soundbite. Okay. And there was a few of them. Yep. We'll have to find that. Yeah. And yeah, in the future, um, you know, if we're going to keep this time slot, I will probably take a nap, I mean, like after dinner before the show. But today was just been a nonstop day for me with a lot of stuff going on. So I'm a little bit more drained than usual. But um, I like the time slot. You know, I like having a lot of time to handle not only my home around the house errands, but cocoa errands. I mean, I got a lot done today before the show. So this this worked for me, and so we'll just have to wait and see how how it resonates with the rest of the world. But um, uh, I think it was good. Uh, and I want to thank everybody in the live chat was here. A lot. Trina K was here. Curtis's significant other yep. was here. We had Mark Overholzer, Tom C, Nick Marota was here. Rob Inman's been out there. Uh, Jim Brain, Jason Downs, uh, Adam Coolidge. Um, lots of people in the live chat. Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Uh, uh, Rogelio, Rogelio, Rogelio. I'm not, I always forget how to pronounce his name properly. Russell Flowers was out there. Uh, Tom C., Michael Brandt, uh, Mart, Martin Bryce. Um, a name who I'm not used to seeing in the live chat, so that might be a new viewer, Martin Bryce. Robert Sieg was here. That's our MC10 guy. I did have something to queued up to show off some of his work, but I'm just, uh, I'm just too drained. Uh, Neil Blanchard was here. Retro Innovations was here. Retro Innovations, Retro Innovations, Retro Innovations. Neil Blanchard, Coco Man, Tom C., Chris Cromwell, uh, one of Nick's neighbors. I think uh, earlier Chris said, Nick, I'm not sure if you saw it, but he goes, uh, 
Hey, Nick Morentes, I'm enjoying the Australian Open tennis match. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't watch it. <laughs> okay. What time is it there, Nick? Ken Riker? Uh, it's uh, 10 to 4 p.m. Oh, afternoon. Afternoon, Sunday. Yeah. Tomorrow. In the future. Yeah. yeah. Mikey the is in the live chat. Rob Emin. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate to bring this up. What about our overtime pay? <laughs> <laughs> Take that up with my accountant, Grant Leedy. So, uh, do, do do I get a shift differential? Yes, you do. Yeah, and D David Ladd popped in the call. We had so we had some. Uh, Dan Loyal was here for the first time. Thank you for being here, Dan. Thank um, you, and thank you for all your uh, contributions over the years to the show and to to my collection. <laughs> you bet. And uh, L. Curtis Boyle, Al Hartman in the flesh on the live video. Al Hartman is just bringing sexy back. Um, with this video feed there, Ron Delvaux, Steve yes. Bjork, Mikey, he likes it, he likes it, Michael Furman's here, Nick Morentes, Chet Simpson, Richard Lorbieski, King of the Bonfire, Jason Downs, we had so many people, so yeah, I think, uh, I think a different time slot, get a few additional viewers, or different viewers, maybe a few different people on the panel, mix it up a little bit. Jason, the Cocoa Man, has been here. Thank you for being here the whole time, Jason. Uh, I think I mentioned Steve Bjork. I got us all. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna end the dumpster fire. We're gonna end Yay. the train wreck. Yay, Jason Downs. I said thank you, Jason Downs. Right? I think I did. But did you say? Did you thank Nick Morota? Uh Nick Morota, my spiritual Nick Marotta. advisor. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Dan Marotta. was loyal. Dan. <laughs> but I'm bump. Oh, so I just yeah. Dinner. And Ooh. retro innovations, uh, Jim's heading. And retro innovations, yes. Nick Morota and retro innovations. The show would be nothing without without them. Apparently, uh, my uh, wife showed up from uh, Hong Kong. She said I was having fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, in, uh, earlier, um, Al Hartman had made the comment about Bob Rosen, how he got in a mail order bride. <laughs> and, and, and Rob Emmons like, you know, when we start talking about mail order brides, that's when we know we've crossed over into the after dark <laughs> version of the show. <laughs> well, it's the, who else would marry Bob Rosen? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Who else would flow? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. my. Uh, oh. Yeah. Um, by the way. Wasn't an insult. Yeah. By, the, by the way, he'll be on next week. <laughs> Who will be on next week? Mr. Rosen. Oh, you, oh so, that's, uh, so there you go. He's so, either going to be on or, or Ron Delvaux going to take him to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can get his bride on if he's not available. So. You know, the guy I really, want, <laughs> I, I really like to see on here is the guy that wrote Interbank Incident. He, he wrote he did a couple of games for Spectral Associates. He's, he's kind of active. Okay. I saw him on Facebook. Um, I'll have to get Ron to contact him. Yeah, you know, get Ron to take him to lunch. Yeah. There were, yep. there were three people involved <laughs> with the Interbank Incidents. Which one are you talking about? Uh, can't, it's, now I'd have to look at the name. Mr. In, Mr. Incident? Yeah, Mr. Incident. <laughs> Mr. Incident. Mr. Bank. It was I think the, like E.T. Gatlin was the graphics guy there. Yeah, yeah, it was Gatlin. It was an interbank or was incident? Him. Gatlin got It was his inter. Uh-huh. Good. 
So that was nice. It was nice having Marty on. I only know of him through you guys, you know, so he's been infamous to me between hearing uh, Rick and, and Steve Bjork and a few people talk about him. So that was cool uh, to see here. Uh, and, uh, and liquid. The, the other guys I would see would be Kevin Darling and Chris Burke. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get a hold of Kevin Darling, and he hasn't responded to any of my my quick. Uh, only, only if we're gonna, ha- only if we're gonna have uh, Brother Jeremy sing to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Steve uh, Bjork, I was I was gonna, I forgot to mention during uh, the uh, interview, but uh, you actually had him on on your podcast, the audio only Skype podcast we did back around mid two thousands, because Marty was one of our guests on that at one time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember back then, but my memory's kind of foggy. Do you have any of those recordings? Back a couple of decades, almost. Yeah, those out there somewhere. Yeah, the interwebs. Do you you still have them on your site there, Steve? Anywhere? Because we did record them. Hmm. We interviewed interviewed Marty. We interviewed a couple people. Yeah, I'm going to have to look 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 for that stuff and like that. I've got some old old drives. I've got a take a look at that have stuff um images on there i got a video that i put together for a uh cocoa fest which um it zoomed in onto a cocoa and went through as if it was going through the circuits and then kind of throwed up all my different games and people keep requesting that one and i've got to find that video oh that sounds cool yeah yeah, yeah it does yeah had a great orchestra on it and everything else, but now there there's a hard drive that's got that and the audio and that you're talking about there, Curtis. And well, yeah, there was there was a we had that regular uh, scheduled audio only chat we did on that camera was Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, where it was Nick Marini's. You probably remember it too because you were on it. Was I? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm buggy. <laughs> Everybody's but... <laughs> memory started to go. <laughs> was this was this hosted like on a website or something? No, it was on Skype. And it was well. The the recordings of it were hosted for a while. I, we didn't do a lot of them. I think there was maybe half a dozen to a dozen episodes or something. I can't Would remember. the Wayback Machine point to it? Might, might, maybe. Did the show so have that, a name? That that sounds like the precursor to Coco Talk because Coco Talk started as a Skype call too. So yeah, yeah. This was audio only. This was before yeah. video was common. Yeah, that's still pretty cool though. Just getting a group of people together talking Coco. Yeah. You gonna do the outro? No, I'm going to press the button. Push the button, Frank. We're going to press the button, Frank. So thank you guys all for being here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And uh, long live the Coco. And uh, we'll do this again. Same time, same channel. Yeah, oh, we're going to... We'll, sec. Before you yeah. do, yes. I just found the link. You found the link. <laughs> cool. I'll throw it into YouTube. Coco4.com podcast slash... Coco. Yep, podcast number five. Marty takes a sponge bath. Podcast number six. It's all done in hardware. Marty takes a sponge bath. Podcast number five. Yeah. Nick gets blown away. Contact. That's con, uh, podcast oh, number four. Oh, I remember four. that. <laughs> yeah. Conference number three. Conference number two. Uh, I, I'm going to have to want to listen to these. Man, I have so too much content to listen to on, on my drive to work. Yeah. So <laughs> who is this your site, more. Steve Bjork? Coco4.com? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, it's one of them that I run. Hmm. This is from yeah. 2010. Okay, in yeah. October of 2010, Aaron Wolf, Todd Wallace, and I decide to hold a monthly color computer conference in the internet. We, I, I want to hear these. Wow. 
Yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff in those. Huh. Very cool. There's something for the show notes. There you go. All right. Coco4.com. Check it out. That was one of the articles I was going to, you know, that's one of the questions. Hey, has anybody ever considered making a Coco4 in hardware? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. I saw that. I'm like, it's done. <laughs> uh, just real fast about the stuff. Uh, Coco Four is missing a bunch of stuff, so you definitely want to do a Wayback Machine or something like that. Okay. I don't think the actual Coco4.com has that information up there anymore. Yeah, I don't see it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the link that Curtis just posted has got me a page, but I haven't tried the individual links yeah. from that page. I, I just yet, tried so. Podcast Six. It plays Steve Bjork's voice is the first thing you hear when you click on it. Yeah. So is it. Coco4.com slash. He just put uh, no, the link. if you go to Coco4.com, you will not find it. You have oh, to go okay. through us. Um, like, you know. Yeah, I Google searched uh, yeah. specifically for it. So Because I'll, I'll put it I removed a bunch of pages on there. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a broken, or not broken, but a hidden link at this point. Exactly. Okay. So it's in the YouTube chat. I'll put it in the Zoom chat, too. So well, you know, to... you know, what we could always do is if I can get those files it... off the server, I can give them to Steve and then Steve can run some sort of automatic program that just puts a wavy line up, you know, and he can <laughs> <cast out> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> wouldn't take much good. effort at all to do that. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, I, we're going to we're going to press the button on that one. Press the button. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for being Bye, here. Have Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. Take care. Night, this is the sound of me hanging up now in three Best Mississippi. Button. Push the button, Two Frank. Good night. Night, Gracie. Good night. <laughs>